Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. He steps up into the end zone in a crowd. No good. Picked off by Woods and it's over. Buffaloes win it. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. ETN picks his way, follows his block, and Burr's still going. ETN in the foot race, and they'll win it. Touchdown, Gators. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Quick toss to Xavier Worthy. Worthy is still up. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Mevis kick on the way. It's good. There's a flag down. Missouri at the moment has walked it off. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Jefferson, under pressure, and set. Flags everywhere, and BYU is going to win this football game. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Daniels on first down. Going to take a shot to the end zone. And Neighbors comes up with it. Malik Neighbors. Outstanding touchdown catch from Jaden Daniels. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Man, Mondays during college football season are just slammed with a lot that's about to happen. And then also what has happened. So we're going to try to do something today in a way with Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina. I'm David Smoke. Thank you for your time on 365 Sports after another weekend of college football madness. The Missouri kicker is in, I mean, like my hero, wears a 92, has a little pouchy stomach, and drilled a 61-yarder. We'll get into the late-night heroics in Boulder. Let's look at the Big 12 this week 
and the bangers, and then we'll return to what we can discuss from news over the weekend and moving forward. There's the Oklahoma at Cincinnati that was shaping up to be, you know, kind of a fun game, then Cincinnati blew a tire. TCU took care of their business in Houston. SMU was on the table. That could be fun. And then SMU has beaten them before. There's the Brigham Young. Thank you, Brigham Young. Thank you, Brigham Young, for helping represent the Big 12 after another disappointing weekend. KU unbeaten. Texas Tech at West Virginia. The Mountaineers with a nice win. Tech trying to figure out their quarterback issues. Oklahoma State and Iowa State. That's going to be all kind of boring. This is not to be negative, but they almost need, they almost deserve each other in this game. I, I mean, I, like, I hate, I, look, I'll be negative. Like, they, they both have issues that are of different origins. You know, Iowa State, we did not expect to be that good. I've never seen more fired of Matt Campbell, though, than he was getting yelled at by that fan. Uh, and then uh, Oklahoma State doesn't have a quarterback and got absolutely We're going to have some stats on them in a minute. Yeah. In the kidneys or whatever you want to say uh, by by South Alabama. Never in that game. Never once in that game. Greg, uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, you want to pick that one right now? <laughs> uh, well, they're not playing each other. Uh, you mean Iowa State and Oklahoma State? I, I, I'm sorry, what, uh, Oklahoma State and Iowa State, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd take Iowa State right now based on what little we've seen uh, of, you know, good from either one of these teams. Uh, this is a rock fight. I, I don't know by the end of the week who I'll pick. I do need to just look into things a little bit more, but uh, Oklahoma State's at a low point uh, that they haven't been in in a really long time. That was embarrassing. Uh, there was a lot of bad losses in college football this weekend. There were some in the Big 12, and Oklahoma State's right up there. And, you know, you beat Arizona State. Arizona State's not very good at all. So, like, the impressive part about that was just it was another Power 5 team. It was on the road. It was late night. You know, but beyond that, wasn't that impressive. And, and then to turn around and have what happened against South Alabama, I mean, they are just in a world of hurt right now. Iowa State, you at least had some things happen. You're like, okay, you lost your starting quarterback. You lost your starting running back. Now, that doesn't excuse everything, but there were some reasons there for it. Whereas with my, Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy, I just don't know what what direction they're going. I don't know what the solution is. Um, it's, it's a lot going sideways for them right now. We'll have some stats momentarily on that. Okay, Houston host Sam Houston State. Don't sleep on the Bearcats. Uh, the, Texas at Beta. We'll hear from Dave Aranda at 4. J.J. Joe, 445. Earl Campbell joins us Wednesday at around 510 on this game. And then also the Kansas State coming off the loss at Missouri, that really difficult loss. Uh, they had the ball, had a chance to do something with it. They couldn't. Uh, and UCF opens up against the defending Big 12 champions in Manhattan. Now, for the bangers. These are the top 25 bangers outside of the Big 12. Florida State, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, two top 10. Iowa and Penn State. Colorado, after the... I watched the end of that game. I somehow woke up for whatever reason. I'm glad I did at Oregon. UCLA, Utah. Ole Miss, Alabama. More on Bama a little bit later. And then Oregon State at 24th ranked Washington State. Yeah, I think uh, Oregon and Colorado really going to be interesting because um, this is their first foray against the truly elite quarterback. And I, I really just can't wait to see what they have in, in store for it. Like, I, this is in no way doubt or whatever. I think Colorado, no matter who they play, is going to, to – at worst, muddy up the waters for a team that might be better than, like, Oregon. But it will be interesting because everything we said about Colorado and what they need to get better at remained true the other night, but they just 
they arrive for the moment, that's for sure. I mean, last week was a paltry schedule compared to this absolutely one on paper, yeah. and it turned out to be a great weekend, an absolutely phenomenal weekend of college football. This one definitely, though, has more of the, the on-paper games that get you excited heading into the weekend. Um, and, yeah, there's a bunch of those that I – I mean, all of them I can't really wait to see. I, I do think Colorado and Oregon will be fascinating. Um, Ohio State, Notre Dame, cannot wait to see what that game looks like. Uh, FSU Clemson should be very interesting. You know, Cade Klubnick played better. Granted, it wasn't, you know, big stage for Clemson this past weekend, but at least they had, like, a little bit of momentum going into the game week against Florida State, whereas Florida State, it's like, okay. Uh, So that's, you know, that's going to be a great one. Um, I know Ole Miss, a lot of people expect them to beat Bama at this stage, just given what Bama has looked like. Um, and, you know, Oregon State, Washington State, I mean, that might be right at the very top of the list in terms of just a great game and, and two teams that deserve eyeballs uh, that maybe don't have, you know, Dion as head coach or a lot of uh, the, the blue blood uh, or what have, you, what have you. But, I mean, as far as a pure matchup, that might be the best one on the list, uh, quite frankly. So, yeah, that's a heck of a way to round out that schedule right there. All yeah. right, so go ahead. I'll just tell you, we're on one quick note on FSU because I watched the whole game. They went from, and this is just to tell you, they went from taking Boston College's best early momentum shot to totally in control of that game to totally out of control of it to winning by the skin of their Yeah, the officials. face mask call just to see what would have <laughs> happened. Uh, but it was a face mask call on that that third down play, and it's unfortunate for, for Boston College. It's fortunate for FSU. Now, let's look at what's happening like right now or what coming out of the weekend. Blake Shapin, today Dave Aranda during his weekly press conference making the comment that Blake Shapin uh, did not expect him out. He, and this is not him playing games. He didn't expect him at all this week and out for sure. Uh, that means Sawyer Robertson gets the start uh, against Texas that, that flies all over the place on both sides of the football so Sawyer Robertson will get another start. And the offense, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to watch, to be honest with you. You look at this game with Texas, and this is not to be, this is not to like be quoted or anything like, I don't care. This has, the, this has the making of what could be bad. Like, not as bad as losing to Texas State, but if Baylor doesn't bring something like extra that they, we have not seen, this thing could get out, could get out of hand very, very quickly. Yeah, they did not look great on Saturday. I mean, let's just face it. They're not a very good team. Let's just say what it is. They're not very good. Um, they're not going to be really good by the end of the year. They could be better. They could win some games. I'm not saying that it's over the rest of the way, but, I mean, even their one guaranteed win on the schedule was kind of painful to watch, and the two-hour rain delay in the middle of it didn't help either, but I think it kind of did because they looked better after the rain delay than they did at the start of the game. Um, but they did. There's just a lot of questions about them. They don't stack up in any measurable way with Texas talent wise. Um, they don't have anywhere near the energy and momentum right now. They don't have anywhere near the game breakers. They, I mean, it's just if t- Texas should win this game by multiple touchdowns based on what we've seen up until this point. And I'm really looking at it not so much of like I am looking at it. How close can Baylor keep this and can they even make it interesting? But I'm also looking at it from the Texas point of view. If you're coming off of how pedestrian you kind of looked against Wyoming, which, hey, it was a let down post Bama you know just you had a huge game and uh, Wyoming's a good team too but you know you kind of play with your food a little bit there and had more of a struggle than maybe anticipated I'm expecting them to probably bounce back and if they don't then I would see that as a little bit concerning because that'd be a couple games in a row post Bama where you're like they should look better than that you know carrying momentum on so I think that maybe they got a little bit of their 
They're lulling last week, and I'd expect to see a, a you know a very sharp Texas team, but Baylor's going to have to be at their best, and even still, I don't know if that's going to be good enough, depending on the level that Texas rolls in on. So um, there's going to be a lot of fun and reflecting and nostalgia and things brought up this week because it's the last matchup for a while, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. But, um, you know, not optimistic about the upset opportunities here based on what we've seen so far. Before you respond, by the way, we did notice West Virginia's win against Pitt, and we're not done talking about that. That was huge, of course, for the Mountaineers. That's a fun game uh, to watch, too. Uh, but, uh, Craig, I do agree. The, the rain delay usually favors the home team, especially when it goes as long as it did, which was, what, almost two hours. It was, it was, it was a very long time uh, that they had to sit there because if you're the home team in a rain delay like that, you just get to chill out in the place that you're used to. If you're the road team, you're, you're looking around trying to figure it out. Plus, you know, halftime probably hurt. Long Island a little bit because all their momentum came right at the end of the second quarter. So going into halftime was probably going to hurt them a little bit. Um, Even still, Baylor should have won the game. They just never really controlled it the way that they should. And they there's there's no energy right now around anything, and that that has got to get changed. And Dave Aranda is going to try to figure out a way to do that. But this is a roster that I think has not even gotten close to the potential that they they thought when they recruited it. Well, I asked Dave Aranda about this, and we'll have it at four. Is your roster, what you have, capable of winning the Big 12 championship? We'll have that today a little bit after 4 o'clock. So that's it with Blake Shape, and he's out. And that's that sticks because they need him. They need him. Sawyer Robertson being dinged up is not, uh, you know, a great uh, backup Compared to if he was fully healthy, at least move around a little bit running. But with his inability to run last week, it made him very one-dimensional in that offense. You know, It reminded me of what we saw from uh, Will Howard at Kansas State yeah. trying to play quarterback for K-State. Yeah, so the shape of news is not good. It's not unexpected, though. I mean, nobody was thinking he'd be back this soon. But just to have it confirmed, you minor hope that maybe, just maybe, he'd be ready. But, um, yeah, Sawyer Robertson, hopefully that ankle can heal up some more. And R.J. Martinez, be ready, man. All right, Joey McGuire is kind of getting fed up with questions about the quarterback play. And I tell you what, I'm kind of surprised because Tyler Shuck ended last year with that five-game winning streak, and he was fantastic. McGuire, after the game, before anyone even asked a question, in which he broached the topic, uh, quarterbacks, because he said he knew someone would ask about the question. He said he's not making any change at quarterback. Uh, We have gone over the top 25 bangers. Now... I'm going to throw this out. You guys go talk amongst yourselves. Brigham Young, thank you. West Virginia, thank you. And also, Neil Brown thanks you. UT figured it out. It wasn't pretty. There's a little bit of that after post-Alabama. But that was dicey into the fourth quarter. Eventually, they just had too much. And then Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State, what in the hell happened to you? And the Big 12 has had a few of those each weekend. Yeah, uh, for a minute there, I thought Wyoming was pissed about not getting asked to join the Big 12. Uh, so, yeah, they, but Wyoming's a team, and Craig Bolt, like, they, what they've built there is they are going to make it difficult for you. That's their kind of MO in the non-conference. So uh, they've either encouraged people to schedule them more often or now after this been like, you know, uh, we're just going to put them on the on the voicemail and leave that unanswered for a little while. But, yeah, Texas, though, it, there were times in the past, you know, decade or so where Texas probably still beats Wyoming, but instead of having a fourth quarter that shows everything that they can do, they just kind of figure out a way to get kind of a random field goal or garbage touchdown and and they win it 
and it's, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, that was a 13 to 10 or 16 to 10 win against Wyoming at home after a big win over Alabama. And here comes the, that again. But that fourth quarter showed you, I mean, for the minute Xavier Worthy caught that pass, it was yep. like, well, yep. no, they woke up now. And, and, and then they had the pick at the end that, that just sealed it. But uh, that was dicey. Craig Ball was at North Dakota State. He was on Osborne's staff for a long time at Nebraska. He's done a nice job everywhere he has been. Alabama. Good Lord. You talk about what in the world. You, they started uh, Buckner. It, it did not go well. Here's a streak about Alabama football. We know now about them when they were ranked when they were. Uh, we also know then they dropped out to, out, of the top t- uh, out to the bottom of the top ten, lowest they've been in forever. Here are a couple of notes. Alabama's streak of consecutive AP top ten appearances ends with 128, which is phenomenal since 2015. Do you know who holds the – well, the answer's at the bottom. Who holds the record? I did not know for sure who it was. It was the Miami Hurricanes run from 1985, two years after Snellenberger won the national title, to 1993, 137 consecutive appearances inside the top ten. Yeah, it was ugly. Um, You know, they put Buckner in there to try to, I guess, create a little bit of a jolt uh, after Milrow's performance the week prior. And, you know, certainly Milrow left some – uh, things to be desired uh, with his play against Texas. You know, there were some things to like as well, but there was definitely some room for improvement. And so I know that some were puzzled by throwing in Tyler Buckner, but I just thought, okay, you're just trying to see what the guy has. And we did, and it wasn't good. Um, it's not certainly to the level that Alabama expects. And so they're in a very tough spot where there's no transfer portal to go grab somebody right now. There's no redo like, oh, we should have gotten somebody earlier on in the transfer portal when more guys were available. We should have gotten Sam Hartman or we should have gotten, you know, can't can't redo that now. So, you know, you are who you are. This was a problem that some people suspected they would have. Those people ended up being dead on that they do have a quarterback issue and it's not too many good guys. It's not enough of just one guy uh, to be able to help them, you know, be at their normal level. So to see them out of the top 10 uh, history, uh, you know, cool to see, I guess, for those who hate Alabama, uh, just bizarre to see for those of us who have seen, you know, them be a juggernaut for as long as they have. But every every dynasty, empire, whatever, falters or, you know, takes a step back or, you know, dies off. They're not going to die off by any means, but they've definitely taken a step back. And you just wonder how much farther they're going to be stepping because there's a lot of season left to go here. I mean, there's not necessarily – they could lose again this weekend. They could lose this weekend. And can you imagine oh. just how much gasoline that pours on? So, yeah, it's – going to be fascinating to watch the the rest of this Alabama story but they have issues uh, especially there at quarterback and uh, you know Tyler Butner coming in there didn't solve any of them Justin R thank you very much uh, USF held Alabama how about this guys to the lowest first half total since 2007 talking about yardage we did something I guess haha and, and Justin they I thought the Bulls played really well with Golish who knows Saban uh, I, I just I was like I kept waiting Who's going to make an explosive play? They run, what, they run a punt back for a touchdown. Of course, there's a penalty. Alabama's the been struggling with that. had a really long catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Alabama, for the next seven weeks, will no team they play will have a worse quarterback than they do. They play Jackson Dart, Will Rogers, Connor Wigman, K.J. Jefferson, Joe Milton, Jaden Daniels, and Devin Leary. Look, and look, I know that you can get varying degrees on that, but... And Jalen Miller, oh, by the way, you have that real quick. Go ahead, Paul. But 
all those guys have done more than the Alabama roster quarterbacks right now. Milrow yeah. gets to start this week, Craig. What Milrow gets the start for Alabama? Yeah, I mean, I think that they proved that with having Tyler Buckner out there and seeing what they saw. It's like, yeah, let's go back to Jalen Milrow. And so, yeah, you got your little experiment and it failed, and now it's Jalen Milrow. But you saw what was said about Jalen Milrow, right? About Mm -hmm. his attitude. He had a bad attitude during practice last week, um, and that was part of you know how everything came together, and that. You know, apparently he was showing a better attitude on the sidelines, but that was not what the case was during practices during the week. So, you know, now he's got his spot back, and hopefully he's learned some lessons. They learned some lessons, and uh, they can move on and, you know, see what they can make of that partnership moving forward because they they uh, they need somebody to step up and emerge. And, you know, Milrow wants that spot. Go out there and, and prove why you're the guy. He showed some of that against Texas, but he's got a lot more he's going to have to show. But certainly that makes sense. And um, give USF a lot of credit, man. I mean, they were feisty. They played hard. Um, they were, you know, at their home in front of a, a big – crowd that was expecting Alabama to just roll right through them or maybe some that thought hey Alabama hasn't looked that good there's an opportunity here and sure enough I mean USF gave it their all and uh, you know made that one heck of a game and made that a scare uh, a tremendous scare for the Alabama faithful so would have been amazing to see the Bulls pull that off I just didn't have enough when all was said and done but uh, yeah it's uh, weird times in Tuscaloosa right now but the folks in Tampa should be very happy with you know, obviously, you want a different result, but I think that's something that you can be proud of that that uh, that performance on Saturday. Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator, remember him? He's the defensive coordinator for USF, but Alex Golish and his team played their nuts off. I'm telling you, they played really, really well. Now, Colorado, I got a story to tell. So late Saturday, it was a long night. The night before, a drive back from Rockwall, two hours, got back, then pregame, game delayed. I left the stadium, went back for the postgame, um, and and. So it's late, like 11.45, I don't know what it was, and I fell asleep. I had the big screen up in my bedroom. I I just crashed. And I woke up as Colorado State has the ball at about midfield with a seven-point lead with, I don't know, three to five minutes left in the game. They had a third and two, no, fourth and two, and they punted. And I was like, go for the kill there, but they did the right thing. They punted down to the two, and, and it really was like less than three minutes or so. And Shadur Sanders, 98-yard drive. The throw to Jimmy Horn Jr. was 45 yards, seven plays. I'm telling you, man, that was uh, that was impressive. And then in overtime, it was a game that was an absolute turf war. There's some bad blood. We know there's 90-plus times they've met. But that right there was a chance for someone to take out Dion. I know they have Oregon and USC but what Shadur Sanders did, what Shiloh did, and Travis Hunter's out for a few weeks, maybe three or so, That was, I'm so glad I woke up in the middle of all that because I could not go to bed once I got back into the game. Yeah, it's fantastic finish. Uh, and look, you know, lots was said about Jay Norvell and what he did last week, and I still think it was a little bit silly to do it. But, hey, he backed it up, and his team, it worked for them. Um they should not have committed as many penalties as they did, especially that one on Travis Hunter was just dumb. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, they they hung in there. They were leading the game for a while. Uh, I guess an eleven point lead uh, that they had. So yeah, I uh, that was a great game. And Colorado continues to be. They're just they're just gonna be fun to watch every single week. So um, in a world where we can complain about bad TV games or this game bad game this and blah 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 all that time, uh, Colorado's never gonna be boring. That's for dang sure. Yeah, I mean, the hit on Travis Hunter is its own topic in and of itself. Um, you know, he's going to miss time. That obviously 
was uh, a bad loss for Colorado because of what all he means to that team, both offensively and defensively. It was a dirty hit. You can look at it that way. It's gotten way out of control where apparently – you know, the guy's receiving death threats and all sorts of other nonsense. Um, you know, I can definitely see the Colorado point of view where it was a dirty hit. You can definitely see, like, Colorado State was trying to send a message early. Go hit one of the top guys, right? Knock the quarterback out of the game, so to speak. It, right. it very much felt like one of those types of things. Um, and, you know, Colorado State, it, you know, intentional or not, it worked in their favor. They knocked out one of the best players. Like I said, that's a whole other conversation about intent and dirty and all of that stuff. But that made an impact on the game. But Colorado State threw up all over themselves. I mean, they should have won that game. They should not have uh, had to have gone into overtime, but the penalties, the, the mistakes, the turnovers yards and penalties. Uh, were just you know, shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again. When they got up 11, it looked like they were going to be able to, to seal that thing away. Uh, but just credit to Shadur Sanders, uh, most of all, because he went out there and made some great plays. He's got a lot of good weapons, obviously. I mean, they still don't have some great defense. They don't have a great running game, but they get up there and just whip it around as good as anybody in the country can. And, you know, he was in his bag, and down the stretch, they just made more plays. Uh, but, gosh, if you're Colorado State, I was sitting there going like, man, what is Jay Norvell going to say in the post game when they win this game? And it turns out we'll never find out because they ended up choking it away. I mean – I, I just uh, I, I commend Colorado. Uh, you can tell that team believes. They believe so much in Dion. They believe that they're as good as advertised and even better. And uh, they just have that spirit, that, that belief that I think is so powerful. And they also have some talent to back it up. But, man, Colorado State, they had that. I mean, they had that in the bag and just needed to make a couple more plays or just not make some of the boneheaded plays that they did. And, unfortunately, for them, they did. And that's why Colorado has another banner victory and, a, you know, even more momentum even though it looked like, you know, the story was going to – the brakes were about to screech and everything was going to come to a screeching halt for at least one week as far as the hype train goes. But kudos to the Buffaloes. They just keep getting it done. But, you know, obviously now the schedule is going to spike up a little bit. Well, and that's going to be fun to see. They're like 18 or 19, I think, point underdogs against Oregon. Oregon with uh, Bo Nix. Here's a note, by the way, on the Colorado game. Craig will have all the evidence and numbers. But John Oran late last night, the overnight ratings – Last night's Colorado game easily won the most viewed college football game of the day despite what was a 10 o'clock kick and a game that finished, I think, somewhere around 1, 1.30 or so in the morning because I remember being up for it. So there's that from John Alran. We'll have the uh, actual numbers uh, with Craig's off the radar tomorrow. Mel Tucker is done at Michigan State. He was uh, indefinitely suspended. Uh, he now has been fired by Michigan State. They wrote a letter to he and I guess is probably his attorney on specific type of what he is admitted to. And by that alone, despite even more of the ongoing investigation, he has been fired now as the head coach at Michigan State. Yeah, technically they've announced their intention to because he's got seven days to respond, but he is not going to be on the sidelines. And this now gets into the legalese where he claims that this relationship in this matter is personal and it was consensual. Uh, obviously, that's conflicted. Michigan State says it violates the contract because Brenda Tracy was a vendor. Yep. And that means that he has violated the moral turpitude clause of his contract. And there are things that he admitted to in the investigation, um, which makes it a little bit different than some of the other times that we've seen things like this, because often it's, you did this, no, I didn't. 
Um, it, there's there's a perception thing here on either side of this, but because she is a vendor, they're saying they're, they're firing him for cause, and he will now go to court to try to get back what is a massive buyout that they would owe him. What a fall from grace, but not a surprising outcome. The writing was on the wall uh, with this story last week that this was – the logical outcome to the the whole deal would be uh, Michigan State looking for a new head football coach. Uh, what a fall from grace! What a quick fall from grace! Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago where it seemed like you know had a good start at Michigan State, got the big contract extension. I remember seeing like this picture of him with the big cigar and like the big old dogs and just like this very much of like we're big, we're bad. This this attitude of like Michigan State football and it just seemed like you know they were going to be this uh this budding program and he was going to be at the helm of it and just a couple years later I mean here we are and he's now no longer the head coach they're in disarray they got completely demolished this weekend you thought they're going to rally I think most people thought probably not probably going to be you know a tough game for them to uh not only win but just perform well in but you don't know how how young people respond and they responded by absolutely getting destroyed by Washington over the weekend so been a rough stretch for Sparty fans um, but this is is no surprise uh, you know I guess as Paul pointed out there will be a lot more of the details of this to like be confirmed and uh, solved and all of that but yeah, it's tough. They'll go now, I guess, start the coaching carousel up. And that's, you know, one month in, we're going to start talking coaching carousel because here's the first big, you know, uh, drop uh, from, from the coaching ranks so far. Uh, and there will be plenty more. But, yeah, just what a fall from grace. And curious to see what comes from here and, and what Michigan State ends up doing with the head coaching spot in the long run. Two things that never end, coaching searches, the carousel uh, together, and realignment. It's just always out there. Now, we mentioned Mel Tucker. Uh, there's a couple of other things. You know how, the and, and I'm not saying you're wrong, Baylor fans are talking about the lack of energy and passion the football team has. I use that as an example. As an example, Ohio State, the Ohio State University. This is from Ari Wasserman from TheAthletic.com. On Ohio State, when I watch Ohio State play football, I, I get the overwhelming sense that nobody on the team wants to play. There is no passion or enthusiasm. It's just a constant state of sleepwalking. That is with Ohio State. They haven't lost a game yet. They have Notre Dame coming up this week. So when teams lose and there's kind of like, ugh, and I know I understand the complaint, but that's even Ohio State Ari from TheAthletic.com. I, I think Ohio State and Georgia are in a little a bit of the same boat in that this – uh, they have not been in Georgia, you know, played around a little bit out South Carolina uh, and then ultimately took control of that game. But I don't think that they've they've met their an opponent that gets them excited yet, which is a dangerous thing because you've got programs in the country that are excited about every single game, no matter who they're playing. And then you have teams that might have been too good for too long and now they're getting a little bit bored. So then somebody can maybe jump up and get you. But yeah, look, the, you know, there's... There's a lot of negativity swirling around Ryan Day in Columbus for one reason and one reason only. He hasn't beat Michigan the last two times out. So because he hasn't beat Michigan, then all of a sudden everything's not – and he hasn't beaten them since he's been the head coach. So all that circling around him, um, that's the only thing that matters to a lot of these fans. And so that negativity maybe is permeated a little bit when it comes to watching in Ohio State this year and the fact that they have a, a quarterback starting, Kyle McCord, that's – that's fine so far, but he's not Justin Fields. He's not C.J. Stroud. So he's not one of those guys that may have gotten everybody super excited. 
Yeah, I, I think Ohio State will see as far as energy levels goes this weekend. Um, you know, maybe they've been bored, but uh, that certainly can't be the case this weekend uh, with who they're going up against. I'd expect that to uh, definitely be different. So, yeah, maybe it's just, uh, you know, they need something to get excited about. I definitely think that's the case with Georgia, although – you know, they were a little bit too, I guess, low-key going into that South Carolina game. You didn't necessarily give South Carolina a great chance to win, but you had to at least go in there being respectful of them and saying, hey, like, if Spencer Rattler's on, they've got some players. Like, they could make this interesting. And it seemed like Georgia, yeah, just kind of slept walk into that game and, you know, woke up just in time to, you know, shake themselves awake and, and get – business done when it needed to get done um but you can't do that week in and week out because you'll start that oh well now we got to play and you can't just flip a switch like nope. that so i think that's not surprising and mildly concerning for georgia i think is they maybe this this example sets in they can use that and go like all right guys like let's get going now um but yeah when you're that good and you've been that dominant and you're not necessarily seeing alabama at their best every week i can see where you just kind of have a different sort of approach or an attitude, and sometimes that may be where you're just not as energetic or as up for certain games. Um, but, yeah, that's problematic. And for Ohio State, uh, we'll definitely see this weekend. I mean, if that's the case against Notre Dame, then um, that then set off the alarms. That would be a, a very bad look. I don't expect that to be the case, though. That's what you're waiting. You're waiting to get plucked out. Someone's going to knock you out if you don't, like, find a way to get locked in. You, 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 again, get better as the year goes on, you hope, based, of course, on – no injuries along the way. One note on uh, Arizona State, they're off to a rocky start, and Jaden Rashada is now out for six, uh, four to six weeks from Adam Rittenberg. That was yesterday. We mentioned Travis Hunter out for Dion saying about three weeks, and now Jaden uh, uh, Rashada is out for what looks like a month to a month and a half. We'll have news later in the show on SMU and their fundraising. Also, Puka Nakua, former Brigham Young wide receiver, and what he's done in the NFL that and more, and this is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace, they just posted their weekly specials. It is a, a game Saturday night, 6.30, so tailgate throughout the morning and afternoon at McLean Stadium, and they have Boudin for $2.99 a pound. Also, the boneless pork chops and bone-in pork chops from two fifteen to two twenty-five a pound, chuck roasted five fifty a pound, and on top of all of that, what you need when it comes to sausage or chicken wings or brisket or tri-tip. Waco Custom Marketplace also has your uh, charcoal, pellet fuel, marinades, seasonings, cold beer, wine, and more. Waco Custom Marketplace, your hometown grocery store at 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. During Jeep Adventure Days, Alan Samuels in Waco is celebrating with an incredible line of 2023 models like the Grand Cherokee, Renegade, Wrangler, and Gladiator. Come see what Alan Samuels can offer you and your family and find the Jeep SUV that fits your lifestyle. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. 
one size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254 759 Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values have it, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. So here we go, 365 Sports. We'll hear from Gerard Hamilton. He covers Missouri, after their win against Kansas State, he'll join us here momentarily. Also, Edgar Thompson, Orlando Sentinel on Florida. How about that? The win by Florida as they thumped Tennessee in that game as well. All right, so uh, we had the winner, the $100 gift card from TexasBeefHouse.com. It is Ryan Eldridge from Raleigh, North Carolina. Ryan won the Pick'em Contest, thanks to uh, Christian McCollum for setting that up online and We'll put the link up here momentarily. We start right back again this week. Ryan won eight, I think, of the 11. I'm not sure the number. Christian sent it to me. 
but I never could get, for some reason, it kept going to my spam. Never could read it. It was weird. So he texted to me, but Ryan, it's Ryan Eldry, E-L-D-R-I, on the chat room. Ryan Eldridge, and how about that? Raleigh, North Carolina. Samantha Duvall, I think, has already been in touch. $100 gift card. Thanks again, as always, to Kim Coulter for what, in fact, he did to donate all that to this show. TJ Scott, what is the goal of the AP Top 20? Is it to predict who ends up with the best record at the end of the year? Or is it uh, for judging what teams have done based on so far this season? It's for television, TJ. That's what it's for. There's, I mean, outside of, until the later part of the season when you know what people's records really are and who they've really beaten, until that point, it's only for marketing purposes. Yeah, I mean, I, I mostly agree. I mean, the preseason poll is certainly just marketing. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a placeholder to just so week one has number one versus number 10, and it's just a pure prediction and nothing more. But I think, you know, as you obviously play games, there's evidence to use, and therefore you lose, you slide, you win, you rise. Um, so it's a combination of things ultimately. But, yeah, I mean, it, it matters what you do. It's not just – you know, Alabama wouldn't be outside the top 10 if it didn't, no. right? So uh, it matters what you do, and I do think there is some foolery uh, sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's based on who's the best right now, um, not so much a predictive thing. That's how I always look at it. That's why, you know, you slide week to week based on what happened. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's that. But I'll tell you, it's, it's not a good thing for the Big 12 right now. I mean, it's Oklahoma and Texas, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, for this final season – uh, Big 12 needs to get its act together, and unfortunately, looking at a lot of these teams, I don't know if they will. Um, but, yeah, Texas and Oklahoma being the only two now in the AP Top 25 is uh, pretty brutal, and I do think that will change. I think, you know, K-State can rise back into that. I think, you know, there's a couple of other teams that if they keep winning games, have an opportunity to, to be in that mix as well, like BYU, um, UCF potentially, although I'm still not sure without having John Rice Plumley uh, for a while, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, it's uh, I guess just kind of a measuring stick of sort of where we are week to week. Uh, but it's definitely got some leanings towards certain programs more than others that set them up for postseason success a little bit better than it does for others. There's definitely that element to it as well. No, I, and I I agree with you. You know, one of the things we've discussed about whoever thinks that their conference is better than the SEC for the longest of time, hey, they're off to a very rocky start. But the Big Twelve has to win Kansas State, Missouri. They did get the Texas win against Alabama. They needed to uh, have Texas Tech beat Oregon and Baylor beat Utah. And they've, they've whiffed on most of those games. Not all of them. West Virginia, Pitt maybe is not quite. But, hey, it's a great rivalry game. That was a huge win for Neil Brown and company. But there really have not been. You have Texas, Alabama, and like Paxton said and other Tech. Man, Alabama needs to look better than they did against USF because that eventually that's a big win. But. They end up sliding out of into, into, like, I can't imagine oblivion, but based on what, Paul, you mentioned about who they're about to play, who knows? At some point, you know, you just lose your your, your traction. Well, uh, that's why I give a lot of credit. We didn't, I mean, we just glossed over it, but West Virginia, congrats. 
awesome win over Pittsburgh. Now, Pitt's not a very good team, um, you know, but that's Cincinnati and West Virginia. They're now beating them back-to-back weeks, and that's a big-time rivalry. And, you know, we're talking about the situation that Neil Brown finds himself in and just the West Virginia program in general to have a big home turnout and to play some nasty defense and obviously still a lot to go uh, work on offensively. Um, but defensively, they've got a legit team, and they're going to give some teams in the Big 12 problems with that defense. And then if, you know, you can get C.J. Donaldson up and going and you can get a little bit better from the quarterback play, uh, then there's opportunities for West Virginia to win some more games for sure. And that was a great win for them. Um, I think, you know, now at 2-1, and one, you wondered, like, hey, they could be 1-3 and three at this point, or they could be this or that. And uh, they're 2-1, and one, and that's, you know, as good of a start, I think, as you could probably have hoped for for Neil Brown. Um, and, you know, there's some promise there, although, you know, a lot left to, to still work on. And then BYU going into Fayetteville and beating Arkansas. I don't think Arkansas is all that great, to, to be honest with you. But I think BYU going to their place and making a statement and winning a tough game and being physical and playing good defense and doing some things on offense that were pretty good as well, that's the part that I've kind of wondered about with them is Keaton Slovis and just what is that going to look like. Defensively, though, they're much improved. Um, and when the offense is, is working well, uh, that's a formidable team that you know is going to be uh, well-coached and is going to be uh, nasty and, and get down into the dirt with you. And uh, that was a great win, I think, for them on the road against Arkansas. So, yeah, you need to win – more of the 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 name matchups because like I, I mentioned just kind of where I, I see those teams not to degrade the losses anyways but it's not like you're beating a top five team let's it's not like you beat Ohio State but you are beating name power five teams and the more of those you win the better I think it does look for whatever respective league and in this case for the Big 12 there have been some black eyes to be certain um, but West Virginia and BYU two teams that maybe didn't get a lot of love coming into this season uh, definitely helped carry the torch for the conference this past weekend in a major way well I I was impressed uh, I watched a lot of that game Arkansas and Brigham Young and and, and Brigham Young you know, I mean, it was constantly, like, the game was up for grabs. It was absolutely up for grabs. And then there was a huge play on defense that pretty much flipped the script and Brigham Young, then BYU took took advantage. Of I was going to say, you love saying Brigham Young. Yeah, and I don't know why. I think it's because it's like when I was, times. as an older guy, that's kind of how I grew up. That was who it was, not the person, but BYU. BYU obviously, yeah. Brigham Young is kind of like when I first misspoke about the mascot for that school in Orlando. And like fire ants all over my Twitter feed, I, and that's fine. I, too. I did the same thing with uh, USF the other day. Would you I call, call them South I call, Florida? I called them South Florida. Yeah, that's part of the state. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, I get it now. I mean, I just, I grew up in right there. I lived right across from it, and then it's only until recently that, well, like SMU and TCU, like they've just started going by that, and then as opposed to saying what the name was like Texas A&M is the same thing it's not like, technically agricultural mechanical but they're much more than that now you know in droves so yeah just things change and yeah, I filled out a player list one time, and it was Southern Methodist that, for one of the guys, and I was very quickly corrected. of like, no, we go by SMU. And so, yeah, I just think of the same thing with UCF, but you just said Brigham Young a lot, so I was wondering if there was something to that or not. But, yeah, BYU had a big win. Um, you know, there's some falling on the faces, though. I mean, they're really – like Cincinnati falling in overtime to Miami of Ohio, Iowa State. Um, Losing, I mean, Ohio's a respectable program, but that was ugly. Oklahoma State, though, was probably the ugliest. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, was Texas State for the weekend. That was awful. Maybe worse. That was awful. Both Sun Belt schools, by the way, in very impressive. Missouri's win against Kansas State 
was huge for Missouri, and it was a, a, another one of those where the Big 12 looking for better and quality wins. And we're joined by, uh, again, Gerard Hamilton, PowerMizzou.com on the Tigers and their win against Kansas State. Gerard, thanks for your time. How huge was that? It's a, a top 20 team. Kansas State's now out of the top 25. How important did Eli Drinkwitz need that particular win? I mean, it was it was huge. I mean, many many people thought it was the, the game of his career that he kind of needed to to win this. The first couple of games, uh, the offense seemed a little at times lackluster. They brought in Kirby Moore over the offseason from Fresno State to be the OC, and this whole offseason they just kept saying, you know, it's going to be a more explosive offense, more explosive. He didn't really see that the first couple of games, and he knew after the NCSU game, after it was much closer than it needed to be, that like. All right, I gotta, I gotta put something out there. And him and Kirby Moore did a heck of a job on Saturday. And they not only did they beat a top fifteen team, they beat a team they consider you know one of their rivals. So it was, it was a big day for them. Gerard, how does this change maybe the optimism about the rest of the season? Getting a win over a top fifteen team over a longtime rival, even though they haven't played it as that much since they left the conference, does this buoy the enthusiasm, the the push for the rest of the season? I know for myself, I was thinking just from my perspective, I was just thinking this is a seven and five team going into the season. And I'd always told people that, that they could get eight and four depending on how the quarterback play looks going into week three. I was still unsure. I didn't pick them to win versus KSU, honestly. But with the game Brady Cook had and how that offense played and their defense is their strong. So considering the defense didn't play that great, but they showed how to close. I mean, I think the, the floor now becomes seven and five as more, more than the expectation. And there's a potential. For ten and two, with nine and three being in play, so right now I feel like they're in the eight and four range, but I think nine and three is a possibility. And if everything goes right, it looks like it looks like ten and two uh, could be that ceiling. How much did Brady Cook uh, do to uh, encourage the Mizzou faithful, and, and how much of that performance mattered in the grand scheme of things? You think for a guy that that people wanted to see more from, and, and that put it out there and had a great performance on Saturday. Well. You could tell it was just like a tough day. I mean, it was a positive day, but it was a tough day because, I mean, since he got the starting job, you know, heading into last year, there was always questions of, so, you know, could he do the job? Is he talented enough to do the job and all that stuff? And then he ends up winning the starting quarterback competition. There's still people saying, I don't know, I don't know. And then he has a career day with 356 yards and three total touchdowns. And he really put the team – you know, on his back for the most part. I mean, he did well, and he said in his post-game interview, like, it was kind of hurtful to hear before the game uh, when they were doing starting lineup introductions. I didn't hear it, but Coach Drink and others on the staff kind of mentioned how some of the Missouri fans were actually booing him during the starting lineups. And so he was like, I hope Brady didn't hear that. And when Brady spoke, he was like, yeah, I heard it. But, you know, basically it is what it is. And he just shows everybody, you know, what he can do. And he was saying, you know, he, can, he hopes the fan base can get behind him because Brady Cook, you know, since he was little, all he wanted to do was be the quarterback from Missouri, and he's doing it. He wants people to rally behind him, and he thinks and he hopes that a win like this and a performance like that will kind of help that. 
What do you think has been Eli Drinkwitz's biggest problem in building to this point over there's finally finally some juice in, in the few years he's been there? Just consistency, and I guess some people will go back to quarterback development as well. I mean, he's had four-star guys, and he had Tyler Macon. He, he didn't really pan out. He's had Sam Horn, and Sam Horn's obviously, obviously still on the roster. But, you know, he – he didn't win out. He brought in Jake Garcia from Miami. He didn't, you know, he didn't pan out as far as just winning the starting job in that regard. And so people look at that and say, you know, why does this team keep going 500 year after year after year? And I feel like that's something to do with consistency and just development. There are some players on this roster, not just quarterbacks, that you would think, all right, that's a four-star guy from here, four-star guy from here. And you don't really see some of those players and you wonder, well, what's going on? You know, why are these players panning out? But it seems like through the start of this season, through three games, you're starting to see, you know, some of these recruits that they're bringing in. They're, they're panning out. Uh, they're, they got roles on the team that are important, like Brett Northfleet, for example, the tight end. He had a couple of receptions for 40 yards, and he had a big one along the sideline where he took a, a heck of a shot and still held on. If you look back last year, the tight end game was almost non-existent with 10 receptions for 102 yards, you know, among three tight ends. So just getting those pieces to work together, getting some continuity and consistency going, I think that's what can kind of move this team forward. But I feel like that's been uh, some of the issues, you know, his first three years. You mentioned the stars and none shine brighter than uh, Luther Burden. Uh, Folks Mm -hmm. who follow recruiting, you know, obviously the SEC uh, know all about the young man, but how special are we talking here and and the start that he's off to already here in 2023? He's, He's what, he's what I say. He's balling out of control. <laughs> I mean, this. I mean, three straight games of seven receptions for 96 yards or more. Um, this is his second straight 100-yard game. And if you go back to last year, he had 45 receptions for 375 and nine total touchdowns. Uh, when you add in a couple rushing and a, and a punt return touchdowns, and the expectations last year was like, you know, could he be close to a thousand yard receiver type of guy? I always thought that was a little, you know, high, especially what conference he's in and. He's a true freshman at the end of the day. Now, I knew coming in this year that he'd be kind of towards that near 1,000-yard receiver mark. And because it's such a talented uh, receiver room, I didn't think necessarily he would be. Not because he's not capable, but, as, again, they got so many talented receivers. But he's gonna, I think he's going to go right past that. I mean, he's bigger. He seems a little bit stronger. I mean, if you, if you watch him, he, it takes more than one person to bring him down. He doesn't really have that many drops. He had a small, tiny little drop problem sometimes during the season last year, but I don't even really see that. Like, you can see in every aspect of his game, he just took it up a notch. What did you make of Kansas State and just what you saw from them and their performance? Obviously, they, they wish it was a different outcome, and I listened to Chris Kleiman, and he talked that they were a little bit sloppy, but just knowing the type of program they are and, and where they came in with the ranking and all that, what were your thoughts on what you saw from the Wildcats? Wild, Wildcats are a, they're a tough team. They're they're a good team. They, I think their number fifteen ranking at the time was uh, valid. I didn't see the I haven't seen the AP results as in. Did you say they moved out of the top twenty to start? Right. Yeah, I mean, they're they're unranked. Yeah, now. they're, they're yeah. unranked. Yeah, they, they fell no, out. they're unranked. Oh, okay, wow. Um, I thought the I thought their ranking in the top twenty five was justified. They're a good team. I think something wacky there, uh, down the stretch from both from both sides is some of the 
the time management at the end of the game was a little, you know, a little weird. Uh, Kansas State, I want to say, was, yeah, it was up to 27-27. On their final possession, like, they kind of, they could have bled some of the clock out, and, and they didn't, and I think somebody went on a bounce. Yeah. I can't I can't remember all of it, but I remember thinking the press box, like, well, that's, that's not, you're not supposed to be doing this right now. And then, obviously, Missouri got the ball, and they had blunders of their own, but, you know, game-winning field goal kind of nullifies some of that. But there was just some weird stuff going on there. But I still think they're, they're they've got a heck of a like position player group with, led by Philip Brooks. Got their offensive line is pretty good. I know they was missing their right tackle, but they've got some dudes. And Khalid Duke, I knew he got hurt early on in the game, but he's he's pretty uh, pretty talented as well. So let's close it out where it got closed out <laughs> with the big time kick the walk off Harrison Mevis uh Mevis uh correct me on the pronunciation there I'm blanking now on it here but um just take me through the atmosphere and just kind of what that was like from your vantage point to see the crazy ending uh, that we saw in Columbia it was really storybook um if you think about it because Mevis has had some struggles this year and he was a preseason all SEC second team selection uh, a couple years ago, he made the postseason uh, team as a first-teamer. And so he had some struggles last year, missed six field goals. Entering this game, he missed two field goals, missed his first PAT versus NTSU. So there's been all types of things on. Is it the snap? Is it the hole? Is it the kick? Even in the second quarter, he missed a 53-yarder. And the problem isn't so much that he missed a 53-yarder, but he admitted after the game, like, he hit, he, when he went to kick, he hit the – the field before he hit the ball so he kind of knew from the jump that he was probably going to miss that kick so to go from all these misses and people kind of being unsure about what he can do you know to making an sec record 61 yard field goal after the blunder from you know the missouri sidelines and stuff like that from taking it from 50 60 61 to make that kick with that pressure versus rival team versus top 15 team i mean it was huge like it, it really felt like, as Drink said after the game, like a redemption type of story. Because last year versus Auburn, he had the exact opposite—a 26-yard field goal from right in the center—and he missed it, and they would have gone on to lose that game. So it was just kind of a storybook thing. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll have you on again with uh, Missouri news as it moves forward. We appreciate your time. By the way, just to let you know, Gerard, that uh, the SEC has handed down some suspensions for the Tennessee, Florida. Mm-hmm fracas so to speak after the florida win against the vols and we have that garrett i just put that in your inbox by the way gerard thanks for your time from powermazoo.com he and gabe Armand are also a part of what they do so florida and tennessee uh florida has dominated that rivalry i believe since the mid-1970s uh i just got a note from edgar thompson who's supposed to join us today at 4 30 on the gators win against Tennessee, but that might not happen now. Garrett, let me know when you have it up. Following the the fight at the Swamp on Saturday night, the SEC has announced first-half suspensions this week for three players from Florida. Offensive lineman Damian George. Uh, you guys remember this name? Micah? Mazuka. Mazuka. Florida, former Baylor offensive lineman, Florida tight end Dante Zanders, and Tennessee defensive lineman Omar Norman Lott. They have all been suspended for the first half of this weekend's games. Yeah, that that game was, 
I, it shouldn't have been in the lot. Like Tennessee does not win in the swamp. They can't do it. Uh, they could find some way to lock Florida out of their own stadium. And then by the fourth quarter, Florida would find a way to get in and beat Tennessee in the swamp. It is unbelievable how long it's been. I need to send you our, our friend RJ Choppy's rants uh, that he went on after that game. Yeah. It was, was crazy, but uh, yeah, that, uh, but that game did get heated. It's a rivalry. It's lost some of its juice because neither of the teams have been good at the same time. And um, maybe opinions about Tennessee have changed and Florida have changed after that one. I don't know. I think it, I think the sec might be kind of a little bit this year, like the big 12 was the last couple of years. Well, uh, hey, Joe Milton can throw really hard and far. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that, uh, anyways, yeah. I mean, that's... He does I, have a great arm. I say it that way because that's all we heard about all offseason, and now you get to the season, it's like, yeah, you need a little bit more than that. I was literally telling Paul before the show, like, hearing that all preseason made me nervous because it gave me flashbacks of Jamarcus Russell. Like, yeah. Cool, you can throw the ball hard. Right. That, that's cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so... Is there we, a guy there on the other side? Yeah, exactly. From your team? I mean, is it going to go to him? I mean, yeah. I mean, coming off of last year with Hinton Hooker and all the massive success they had, you give Josh Heupel a benefit of doubt and offense like that. Like, hey, sure, Joe Milton can come in there. But there was plenty of people that had doubts about that. Um, and sure enough, um, that was great. He can throw far. He can throw hard. NFL scouts will be impressed. But there's like a whole other part of the game that you have to be good at as well. And he's having some struggles there. And just Tennessee in general is just not as good as they were last year. I mean, period. They're, they're not as good as that special run they had last year. And uh, I think it's a, you know, it was a, a much more evenly matched uh, game than um, – you know, you probably expected just if you were coming in there thinking of Florida struggles and just sort of where they were in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, hey, credit to the Gators. I mean, they came out and played well, and, you know, they were the, the better team. Uh, it was very clear throughout that entire game beyond, what, the first quarter, really. Uh, they were the in-control and, uh, you know, pretty dominant team for the most part, and uh, I think that's a great win that was much needed for Billy Napier and the Gators. I'm curious how they build off that, and I think uh, if you're Tennessee, obviously – a devastating loss to your rival and the fact of, of how it unfolded. Um, so, yeah, that was a game that, you know, didn't get nearly as much hype as it probably normally would. It was still kind of strange of just how sort of on the back burner that was in a lot of ways last week, especially during a slow week. Um, you thought that that would be right at the forefront, and it didn't ever really feel that way, but that turned out to be a heck of a game and, and mostly just a heck of a win for Billy Napier, who, who desperately needed a win like that. He What Billy Napier figured out on Saturday night, too, was also – you know, not to complicate things. Um, Trevor Atien is the best player on that team yep. by a long shot. And let's just give him the ball as much as we can in as many creative situations as we can so it doesn't get tired. But let's not try to say, like, why isn't this guy? He didn't do anything cute. It was like, all right, seven, go. They jumped all in it. They jumped all over Tennessee and never looked back 26 to seven at halftime, and it got uh, not really ever close. 29-16 Florida, now 2-1. and one. They were in need of a nice, nice win. And you do wonder who's going to be that midsection of the SEC that will maybe step up, but now everybody's kind of fine. At Georgia, they'll be just fine, and there's a couple of others, but LSU's going to be fine. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know uh, if Alabama's <laughs> headed for an 8-4 and four or – I mean, it's hard to even think that way, but everybody, again, as Craig mentioned earlier, you just have times when you slip, and maybe it's their year to possibly slip, and maybe A&M, because they've been under the radar despite the loss to Miami, maybe they're going to help 
make a run. I'm not saying for the SEC title, but help a little bit with some wins. They have Auburn this week at home. The, the SEC it just means the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, we'll see in the we'll see in the yeah. end. But yeah, right now, I mean, they're definitely open to the shots that they're getting uh, because of just how kind of pedestrian it's been compared to you know the normal hype and sort of where it typically is. But you know, this doesn't make me breathe a sigh of relief. By the way, if I'm a Florida fan, by no. any means whatsoever, that was not a great Tennessee team that you beat. Uh, that was not a great performance on your end that makes you go, oh, wow, it's all on track now. It was just a good win at the right time, at the right place, at home, in front of a raucous crowd against a team that you absolutely loathe and want to beat more than just about anybody. And uh, that's what they needed, and that's what they got. But they still have a lot of questions about you know just that program in general moving forward. There's not like a lot of solutions that were uh, learned on Saturday. Edgar Thompson probably won't be available at 4.30 on the floor to win Uh, because of the suspension so he's doing some breaking news and has a podcast to get to so we'll see what happens i have a couple of options we're working on by the way did you hear about the i know this is not college football but i thought for a minute the tampa bay rays are getting a new stadium in downtown st petersburg yeah in the uh, gas plant district so so uh, i thought about 30 year lease usf go play your games in st petersburg that's thirty thousand people i know that's not enough but uh would be neat to see. Well, they're they're supposed to get a stadium too, uh, and that's on, right. Actually, on campus, which would be which would be excellent, uh, and would, would certainly make that area around USF look cool. So, yeah, uh, good on the 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 Greater Tampa St. Pete area for building much needed stadiums for two uh, two teams that have done you right. So. Does this solve the traffic or the uh, hope, traveling issue? Because it went the whole thing of like, I live in Tampa. I don't want to go over to St. Pete. Yeah. Well, if, if you Pete. make it easier to get to like, I don't think people, I lived in Tampa. I didn't mind going to St. Pete if it was the cool part of St. Pete, but I didn't want to go there. Right, like, okay, like, okay yeah. I'm going to go there. Yeah. There's just one stupid road in. There's just one stupid road out. If the Yankees are playing, I'm, I'm living at, at the at the dome for the the next f- six hours, so I just yeah it was gotcha. it was a cluster because of just first of all that's a very congested part. Mm-hmm. All of us have been there many times, relatives, family, etc. But uh, it is uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But that's just good news for the Rays, and that's about right. Thirty thousand. Why go over anything higher than that? Also, my conversation with Dave Aranda coming up next. I asked him point blank, does he have the talent to compete? For a Big 12 title, uh, and yes, oh, there's so many that you know the energy, and he's heard that he understands that. But it, why is it coming from what appear to be the underclassmen and not those who are the ones who've been around that have, in some cases, tasted what that success was like in 2021? Much to get to, and this is 365 Sports Ideal MRI in the Central Texas Marketplace can help you. Uh, a couple of different ways. One, if you have a pain, your doctor wants a better look at it. If you if you want, he or she want an MRI. Ideal MRI can do that. Their machine is state-of-the-art. I have been in it. It is incredible. The images are put up in the portal. You get to look at them if you want. Your doctor gets to look at them when they want. And also, uh, I've even had calls from them that have kind of explained, okay, this looks like this is like this. This is like, for example, my lower back. They, they could see like there's arthritis, but never anything that would like require anything more. And I've been working on that for the last several months and feeling like I've turned the corner. But if it's an, a, a ligament, a muscle, or maybe that's what you think it is, or your doctor's wondering, and then the MRI shows that it's fine. Well, then you could go about a different way of trying to help you improve what is the pain. And $497 or less every single time, never more. 497 they'll also help you file the insurance 
at idealmri.com. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC an equal housing lender. It's another time to speak with Samantha Duvall from TexasBeefHouse.com. Handles the marketing and someone that you will talk to a lot when you do call for the great product of the Texas-raised Wagyu beef. It's college football season, tailgating. It's a big deal. People love to put beef and pork and chicken, etc. on the grill. Let me know what you have. We've got everything. If you've got a morning game, you can get our breakfast sausage or our bacon. You can tailgate with some breakfast tacos if you've got an afternoon or evening game. We, of course, got our hamburger patties, their half-pound patties, four patties to a package, and we even have jalapeno and cheese patties. They're amazing. They'll blow your mind. Just that extra flavor, not too spicy. They have a high-heat cheese, so they don't melt on the grill, and our patties don't shrink up on the grill either. Anytime you order, use our code SICKEM10 to get 10% off your order of $100 or more. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate. That's Samantha the Duval, TexasBeefHouse.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick of sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Thank you. 
This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Baylor football coach Dave Aranda with me. David Smoke on 365 Sports. Do you feel like where you are as a depth chart and talent has been affected by not being aggressive in the transfer portal, not this past summer, but the year before? Uh, no, I appreciate that question. I don't think so. I think the... Um the talent that we have and the depth that we have is probably the most that we've had. Um, and so with, especially with our, um, our skill people, you know, to be able to, to play, uh, four corners or, and to have the, to roll them in and out in the past, that's not been the case. Um, and then I think the same, the same could be true for, uh, D line wise and our ability to roll guys out. Now, those guys are young people, and so that that um, if that's what you mean by that question, then uh, I feel good about our talent. I think the you know the the transfer portal um, as as a whole for the you know what we did this past year was really kind of uh, predicated on just that 2020 recruiting class and the lack thereof and everything, and so I'm hopeful that. Um, you know, from now on, we're getting six to eight, somewhere in there a year, as opposed to the, you know, under 20 that we just about did this past year. And so um, I think that would be something that could benefit the team and then still get us to where, um, you know, kids are coming in here and it's not uh, turning into a junior college. It seems like to me, you're playing about half your starters seem to be freshmen or sophomores, which is what you alluded to. But it seems like they're the ones Mm -hmm. that are the ones flying around to the football and perhaps having a little bit more of that oomph. The fans, you know, when you win, everyone, Mm -hmm. that's great. And you don't, then there's an energy issue in Mm -hmm. in your personality. Mm -hmm. You know that. Mm -hmm. But it seems like they're the ones that seem like they're more excited. Why would the underclassmen do that rather than the guys who have been around four or five or six years? I appreciate that. Yeah, I think the I think the to to uh, to talk about energy. I think that first game, so many young people playing, and I hesitate to talk like that because I don't want to make it sound like an excuse. Um, but the. I mean, there was nervousness in that game, and there was a hesitation in that game. And despite all the talk by me and all of it, we still, you know, um, that still occurred. I didn't feel any of that in the second game. I thought there was a pure attack mode throughout. And in, in this third game, I thought defensively it was that way. Uh, and I think I mentioned in there, I think offensively, we probably would have felt it too if the throw game would have gotten going. Um, um, and so I would say that as a whole. I, d- I don't, I know that, um, you know, um, being who I am invites invites things. And so, you know, I, I definitely understand that. But I, I, I think, though, to specifically address your question, if you're a young person, you feel like you're getting better. 
you know, you feel like it's an opportunity to grow. It's like an, I'm out there and I'm going and and I'm I'm going full speed. I messed up, but I'm going to get better. And I know that I'm going to get better and I want to get better. If you're an old person and you've been around, you could say Long Island, Long Island who? Why do we, what, what, what? You know, you, and it could, all of these things could be inside. And so you have to, to make sure that all of that's out. And, you know, a lot of times if all of, if there's certain things that are holding guys back that are back, and I'm not saying this versus our guys specifically, I'm saying this just as a general thing nowadays, is the things that when guys are coming back, for a lot of times it's there's a certain thing they've got to work through. And we as coaches have got to help them. If the things were not if there wasn't stuff to work through, you know, they'd probably be in the NFL right now. And so I think to work through those things is kind of the whole thing for a lot of the guys that are coming back. And so I think, you know, there's different where that the the veteran process may be a slower process. The younger process is a little bit quicker because they're thinking I'm getting better with every snap. Do you feel like you have a Big 12 championship roster? I do. I do. I feel like we're talented. Yeah. I think I think some of these questions and I appreciate them would be, you know, if we were as explosive as we've been in practice on Saturdays, which we have not been, I think I think it would be it'd be different. Jalen Petrie may have been like almost a once in a lifetime player. And we know his story. He's in the NFL. You've struggled finding another one of him. And, of mm-hmm. course, there's a reason how good he is. Mm-hmm. But has that been a disappointment that you haven't found, like, the the lightning rod of your defense and, and someone like what he brought to the table at that position? Appreciate it. Yeah, at the star. Yeah, I think um – you know, I think Corey can still be that, Corey Gordon. I think uh, Tayshawn Wilson played some snaps um, this past uh, this past game. I think Tayshawn could be that. I think both of those guys are very dynamic guys. And, uh, you know, they're young. But, uh, Tayshawn's a true freshman. But uh, Corey has shown flashes. I think Corey's got to tighten up the off the field so that the on the field's a little bit more in between the lines. But he has shown uh, to to make plays, whether it's near the line of scrimmage or, you know, in a half or in man-to-man or blitzing. And so, I, you know, I can remember when Corey was here with Christian Morgan and Christian saying, this guy is the next one. And so it's very obvious from that point of view, but it's just now that we're in a higher level of everything counts and everything matters, we've got to clean up the off the field to get the on the field better. Mac Rhodes told us last week that Baylor, he, you guys have to be careful about how you position NIL, but I feel like there's about to be more of we are taking care of the athletes, either now or the ones incoming. Mm -hmm. Is that something you've tried to communicate with the administration, knowing how sensitive it is, what you can say or not say about NIL? Um, about how we're he seems going. to think that there's about to be. Hey, we are doing this, and it's, Baylor's been kind of too quiet about it. Right, I can sense that's where it's going. I think I feel the same way that of this from the same place you're asking that question, and and Mac and I have talked about that. Like in just this past week, we talked about just where it was, where it is now, and where it's going, and where Baylor needs to be to stay in the mix with it. Texas is loaded, both sides of the ball. We know that. Will you can you sense you won't be able to do it today that you would come out with a team that's just 
hell-bent for election on Saturday and everything goes. You just let it all out. That is the hope. And I think <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, I feel like we, we did, we did that to a degree on two, two weeks ago. And I think defensively we did that uh, this past week. I think it's been two weeks now. Um, and so I think, you know, the inconsistency is just not acceptable. And it's just not something that, you know, anytime you have to, you know, say who you are, then that, that doesn't, that's not it. You know, the play has to just and so I think for us the, to get, you know, offense, defense, special teams to where, you know, the execution is where it needs to be, I think is the next step. And I, and I know that, you know, this game at this time um, and the whole thing is going to be a great call uh, for guys to step up their play and coaches included. And so we're excited for that. Is that something you take personally when it's inconsistent? The the whether it's the play, the emotions, or whatever. Yeah, I think so. I think the I think the most of um, most of everything we talk about is through consistency, and so I, I just feel like when you're working with people doing their first time through something, in this stage being the first opportunity to be in a stage like this, I think you're going to um, have these ups and downs. But I think. As a as a whole, the coaching staff's um, commitment and connection with our players is 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 pushing them to a new level, and, and so I'm I'm excited to see what that looks like. Last thing, I asked Mac Brown this question. He went through a lot of coordinators. You've been through a couple of changes. Mm-hmm. When you do that, is there also the concern that if that doesn't work, mm-hmm. then you look around and the room is empty, and you're the only one left in the room? I understand that, uh, and I appreciate that question. I, you know, I think for me, it's probably a little bit more of, um, you know, when I first got here, and I'm hiring guys, and it's, you know, my agents talking to me. I've got. Um, you know, people here talking to me and I didn't know enough of who I was to say, Hey, this is someone that would deal that would be good for me. they would be good for the program. I didn't know enough of that. And so, you know, I think to, um, to kind of learn that on the run is not pleasant. And then this is on the other side of that. And so I just feel like the guys that we've got now are, are guys that, fit the program, fit me, fit the kids. And I just feel like we're going to continue to get better and better and better. And so that's the, you know, I think I wish that the learning wasn't so um, public and tough and just all of it, but uh, that is what it is. Final thing. Would you feel like if if this doesn't go well Saturday and Mm -hmm. Texas is capable of blowing people out, Mm -hmm. but how important is it? No moral victories. Mm -hmm. How important is it for you guys to go out and play maybe your best game of the year? Is that possible? I believe it is. Yeah, I believe it is. I think this team, you know, the the stuff that we've been through, it's the, the ideas are those, the failings and just the hard lessons and all of it. The whole idea with that is to get better. You know, the whole idea of that is to apply it and to learn and get and, you know, step up a level because of it. And so that's what this is about this next game. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Dave Aranda, Baylor football coach on 365 Sports. Highway 6 is a mess with construction. So Richard Carr, they're trying to make it harder. 
or easier, I should say, to uh, buy a new Buick GMC or Cadillac. Right now, qualified buyers can save over $7,000 on a new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500. Qualified buyers can finance for 0.9%. And with dozens of Sierras on the lot, Richard Carr has the inventory, the pricing, and the financing to get you in a new GMC Sierra today. Military and first responders can also save an additional $500. Uh, They've got the Buicks, the perfect combination of first class and luxury and value like no other SUV, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. Buick offers amazing value right now. Save $5,000 on a new full-size 2023 Buick Enclave or save $4,000 on a 2020 23 mid-sized Buick Envision military and first responders once again save an additional $500 plus qualified Buick buyers get 1.9% financing and no payments until 2024. Richard Carr, it's a couple of the new vehicle offerings that they have. They've also got their award-winning service department standing by to keep you on the road as well and a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks to uh, look at too uh, in case you're not looking to necessarily just buy brand new. So whatever you're looking to do, Take care of your car. Buy a pre-owned vehicle. Buy a brand-new vehicle. They've got great customer service and great pricing right now over at the dealership. Their award-winning service department standing by. They can't be beat on tires. Uh, They offer a price match guarantee on the lowest price comparable tires in town. So service your car or truck with the people you can count on at Richard Carr that have been in business for over 24 years in Central Texas, run by proud Central Texas, proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcarr.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available 
plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at AutomaticChefCanteen.com Don Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Well, we discussed some of the uh, thank you again to BYU and what they did, West Virginia. Texas found a way to get through Wyoming, but there were some like what in the world, and one of those was Oklahoma State against Southern Al- South Alabama. Jacob Unra joins us for the Oklahoman on three sixty five Sports. Jacob, thank you very much for your time. What is the mood in Stillwater, Oklahoma? <laughs> uh, it depends on who you ask. What the mood is around here? Uh, you know, if you ask the fans, it's uh, the sky is falling on the program, and it's panic and gnashing of teeth and whatever you want to say. Um, you know, Mike Gundy today, though, said that, you know, when, when he was asked, you know, there's obviously minor problems that could be fixed, but can you fix the major problems? And he said there are no major problems. So um, after looking at film and stuff, it feels like everything is correctable. And so um, it really depends on who you ask, but it was a very bad loss on Saturday, and especially the way that it happened. And so – I think the mood around the program this week is going to be very serious, very business-like. Like, and it already is, but I think it's going to be more so this week and more focused on fixing everything they possibly can because they've got an Iowa State team that offensively has struggled but still pretty good defensively coming this week. And it could be a defensive slugfest, rock fight, whatever you want to call it this week that, that I think OSU knows they have to win uh, I, I, when you say that, I almost see the Spider-Man meme of him and Dabo Sweeney kind of pointing at each other uh, right now. But Jacob and they, like none of the three quarterbacks are are really setting the world on fire, and they were not in that game at all this weekend. So um, there's, I mean, I know he's got to be optimistic, and he can't just go out there and be like, "Listen, we stink. We should give up football. I give up. I'm going to go move to the desert." But I mean, it it. There's uphill climb for the rest of the year, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, as, as people want to 
point to the quarterback, you know, playing three quarterbacks is the issue. And really the biggest issue is their offensive line has just not been any good. And they made changes to the, the scheme this offseason. We're very high on it coming this season. Gundy's day still says he feels like the offensive line better than it was last year. But the offensive line still has struggled massively. And it didn't give any ability to run the, you know, run the ball last week. It didn't give any protection to the quarterbacks. They couldn't get in going. And that's the biggest issue right now. That's the most concerning issue to me besides quarterbacks. A couple spots down the list on that. They've got to figure out the offensive line. doesn't matter who the quarterback is if, if, if there's no protection. Um, and so that makes it an uphill battle because I'm not 100% sure that that's a fixable thing, especially in a short amount of time like this week. Um, to get that figured out, and so that's what's going to make it such a tough battle. Jacob, what was that just atmosphere like in Stillwater as that was unfolding? Because I, I saw the score come across, and I was like, "What?" I mean, just mm-hmm. it's one thing to to lose, but to lose thirty three to seven, and I know there was you know apparently a good crowd there and all that. A Gundy commented on that in the post game, and and so just what was what was that like to watch it unfold live and in person from uh, the Oklahoma State point of view? Um, you know, I think they were very frustrated because, you know, but after Alan Bowman threw his interception, and he came out for his fourth series as planned. They booed him really heavily. Fans booed him really heavily. Um, and then when Gunnar Gundy came in, it was almost a standing ovation. Um, so the fans were, were really into the game. They hung around for a while, but you could tell they started getting really frustrated. There was a lot of booing throughout the night for various reasons. Um, you know, I think they were just kind of fed up with the offense not being able to do anything. And um, it was very frustrating to watch. And so, you know, I'll be interested to see if they can, you know, recover this weekend and then they got a bye week and then, you know, home game on Friday night against Kansas State will be really massive. So, um, but this was pretty disheartening for a lot of fans. You know, Jacob, there was last year with all this drama, they had the win in Waco. And then after that, the wheels fell off. And you hear about the the rot that uh, eventually the attrition. And on top of that, injuries. And at one point, maybe on the kick coverage team, they had nothing but freshmen or those who had not played. Did they react well enough, in your opinion, to that? Paul brought up the transfer portal. But did did Gundy just stick his head in the sand? No, I don't think so. I think they worked to rebuild the roster. Um, I think they're a little slow to adjust the portal in some ways. But... Uh, I don't think he stuck his head in the sand. I think they've, you know, learned from some of that. I think that's why we're seeing three quarterbacks in a lot of ways because I think it's trying to keep a guy like Gary Engel from leaving because he's not getting an opportunity or quick enough. Um, you know, I think that's why you're seeing three running backs. I think that's where you're seeing a lot of this as they're trying to motivate players to stay, get them involved, get them developed, um, add depth, and avoid the portal issues again that they had this offseason. So, Jacob, um, as they get into the teeth of the Big 12 schedule, how long do you think before they settle on a quarterback or they continue to, to ride the merry-go-round until, until the end? You know, I think, I think we're going to see I'm, – I'm starting to lean towards what we'll see after the bye week a quarterback decision um, because I think, you know, Gundy expressed today that, you know, there's that concern too that the longer you go, the, the less – the more it hurts the, the eventual starter that they were losing the number one team uh, reps in practice um, because you're splitting those number one reps between three guys right now, and you're not going to get those back. And so I think I think a decision will come sooner than later at this point, but we won't get one this week. I think you'll still see the rotation. It's going to be said as much today, but I think out of bye week, maybe there might be an opportunity to name a starter. So you mentioned that uh, it all kind of starts with that offensive line. How do they get that? 
better and going, and how do they improve? I mean, it's it's hard to do midseason, right, Jacob? There's no transfer portal to yeah. go grab a guy right now. So what do you do uh, if you're Mike Gundy and trying to correct that as best you can? You know, I think they, they've shuffled some things in the you – know, they shuffled things in the game and moved Dalton Cooper at Texas State transfer. They moved the, from Oklahoma. They moved him to left tackle his natural position. I think that helps a lot. They did some things like that. And then the game that on the touchdown drive that, you know, that they had a lot of success with. So they need to do something like that. But there's not – not a guy that can cover it up there's not a quick answer you know the running backs are are talented but they're not you know nfl ready yet they're not those guys that are going to get those extra yards when the line is, is struggling like it is and um they don't have a spencer sanders type runner at quarterback gunner gundy's faster than the other guys that can run a little bit but he's not spencer sanders um who who clearly covered up a lot of issues in the last couple of years with this line with his ability to move um so you got to start by just finding the right person. Do you feel good to know they can go and be physical and open up some lanes? Because otherwise, it's just going to be the shuffle more and more. I mean, they've already shifted the tight end in. They've got the full back end. You know, they're doing everything they can. It's just, you know, they've got to figure out the right uh, mix of guys up front. So, Iowa State, it's not like they're coming in just guns blazing either. This has got the potential to be just a rock fight. Uh, what are your expectations and what – uh, based on what you know about Iowa State, kind of feeds into how you think this game goes and how Oklahoma State matches up. You know, I, I, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. Um, you know, I think it's interesting because you know Brian Nardo, the new defensive coordinator at OSU, uh, learned the three-three-five, the new scheme for OSU from Iowa State. Um, so now they're going against each other. So I think that's going to be, be interesting, and I think it's going to, um, you know, really be fascinating to see how those teams respond against those defenses that are very similar. They're different, but they're similar. Um, so I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I, you know, I think it's going to be entertaining in a lot of ways, but I think, I think you're not going to see a ton of points. Jacob is, I, I like Mike Gundy and what he's done there, the stability, I think other than what Kirk Ferentz at, at Iowa, but is he bulletproof? Oh, I don't think anyone's bulletproof, right? Um, you know, he's got the contract that, that keeps rolling over. Um, but I don't think he's bulletproof. I think, uh, you know, I think if things continue, you know, if they had another four year like they did last year and it builds up, not saying this year, but they keep building up for a couple more years, then I, and there's no way he's bulletproof. Um, you know, so I, 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 I don't think anyone's bulletproof, but I, I especially don't think Mike Gundy's bulletproof. Jacob Unruh, the Oklahoman on Oklahoma State after the uh, shocking and also lopsided loss to South Alabama. Jacob, uh, I, I don't like to be all negative, Nelly, and I know that's easy to do right now. And, hey, we same thing here in Waco with the start that uh, Baylor's <laughs> off to. But what have been some of the bright spots that you at least can kind of uh, glean from the, the disappointment and, and focus in on moving forward here? You know, I actually think the defense is pretty good. I think that's a good early bright spot for them. I think the defense is – taking a lot of good steps forward. They're tackling better than they had some issues in that early. They fixed that for the most part. Um, they got gashed a little bit this last week. Um, but I like what they're going in a lot of direction. You know, Colin Oliver is turning into a monster at linebacker. I think that's been huge for them, uh, especially the last two weeks. He was kind of held in check that first week on purpose, kind of don't show a lot of stuff. In the last two weeks, he's really started to open things up with him and, and get things going. And so and that's the bright spot. The secondary has been pretty good overall, I think. Um, you know, I think the receivers have been good too, for the most part. Um, you know, I, I like what I've seen out of Dejon Stribling, who's who's been a guy that 
has been a very big playmaker coming from Washington State. And, you know, he got hurt this last week, and so I think that hurt passing game a little bit too. But I really like what I've seen from him as a playmaker. And uh, Jaden Bray had a big drop, but I think he's really coming along. And, um, they just got to find ways to get guys like Ollie Gordon and Brandon Presley more involved because those guys are really electrifying players for them when they have the ball in their hands. So they, they struggle to get those guys involved. And I think get those, there's another bright spot. Jacob, thanks for jumping on with us when you did. Have a great week, and good luck moving forward. We'll talk to you again down the road. All right, thanks, fellas. Thank you, Jacob. Under the Oklahoma and on Oklahoma State. It's, let's see, everyone's mad. There was the Matt Campbell off the right next to a gate or, a, right, I guess, a, a railing where a fan said, you're on the hot seat. He stopped, turned around. and He can't do that. He can't do that, even if he's, you know, again, he was very loyal to them. I totally when get a lot it, of people, can't do that. Yeah. Uh, Dave Aranda was very loyal to Baylor back after 2021. And man, we got to keep him long term. And when he saw, he, I don't think you'll ever see him do that. But there's a lot of people on the hot seat that have been pretty comfortable. Uh, but man, Mike Gundy been there for a long time, and it's it's, it's kind of getting ugly a little bit. Yeah, and that's not really even though Campbell's been around for a little while. I mean, that's nothing compared to Gundy's tenure. I mean, that guy's yeah. that guy's built. He's a, got skins a, on the wall. Pile on He's piles on piles. Lifetime contract. Yeah, I mean. That, that guy's in a totally different stratosphere, and it's bad right now. I mean, there's no doubt. It's worse than you probably expected going in. I mean, I definitely thought Oklahoma State would be better, sure. Questions at quarterback. I just didn't realize they would be such a mess still in that regard heading into the final week of the first month where nothing's changed. There's still three guys, and they're all sort of playing, and there's not really a starter, and you don't know when there's going to be a starter, and does that really even make a huge difference in the long run if there is a, a quote-unquote starter and – I just um, am very surprised with just how, um, yeah, kind of messy it was, uh, the, the whole situation there at quarterback. And Spencer Sanders, I mean, you did. You had a good thing there for a while. And obviously, just for various reasons, it, you know, went its separate ways after last year. And we know, you know, it's not he's like lighting the world on fire out, out at Ole Miss right now. But, um, yeah, it was. It's it's far worse than I thought it would be trying to replace him, and uh, they do have a good defense. I mean, as he said, that's why you know I wanted to bring up. It's not all bad, uh, but offensively they are just an absolute mess, and it starts up front. They cannot run the football. They cannot run the football. So like Dominic Richardson came to Baylor, and that still was like. I mean, it made sense because they needed depth, but like, had he not been picked up by Baylor, it wouldn't have batted an eye about it whatsoever because it wasn't like, oh man, that's what they really needed. It was like. Okay, Richard Reese could use some help, I guess. Sure. Um, and I, you, you wonder if you're a Baylor fan of like, man, does he regret coming here because he hasn't really jumped out to you just yet? But he's hurt. He's hurt right now. And the, the answer to that question, if that you ever wonder, because Reese is getting more carries or somebody else is – Tossin Pendergrass – True is get, freshman. Is getting more carries. Well, he's dinged up for one. But two, it wouldn't be any different if he was still in Stillwater because he'd have nobody to run behind mm-hmm. because nobody yeah. else there right now does either. And, and that's got to get corrected. But as he said, there's not a solution to just – you know, teleport in a new offensive line that's going to solve everything. So teleporting, that, yeah, that's, that's that's what we need in college football. Is like bring five guys in for a game this week. Yeah, I mean, if, we might not be far off from that actually, but no, I mean, Oklahoma State's in, in a bit of a mess as far as that goes. Uh, they do have some good players, but um, the quarterback, the offensive line, uh, that is uh, something that is certainly pulling them down. And that was an absolutely embarrassing loss at home. I mean, it's one thing to lose to South Alabama to lose thirty-three to seven. Uh, that's just inexcusable. I mean, that, that just cannot happen. That's not a, a two-for-one, you know, home-home-away, you know, thing that you would normally do with a Sun Belt team. How much do you think the buyout was? 
Do you know? No, no. I mean, I and and then so, and I'm not trying to dog South Alabama. I mean that like they're a program, the Sun Belt, that's on the on the rise. That's for sure. But to roll into Stillwater and win a game and not do it in kind of a you know this just turned into be more than you bargain for a game and it goes down to the end to not be in that game from the opening kickoff until the end was was really telling about this Oklahoma State team. Yeah, and this this Iowa State game, like you want to talk about I don't even know how to even begin to even think about the describing good news this is game. one of those two is going to get a win. Somebody's winning. That's all we know is that somebody's going to win this game. But beyond that, it could be seven to three final score. It could be something else entirely. I don't know. I I think it's just a throw a throw a coin in the air and wherever it lands, that's that's who you pick. And I think that's just as logical as trying to actually break it down and predict who wins this game because it is. It is every is very much a toss-up in my mind. Eric Jones, $10 Super Chat. Since Dunn has been the offensive coordinator, uh, yards per play some of the lowest under Gundy, yet Gundy refused to make changes after last offensive meltdown. Seems complacent. Uh, I would not confuse complacency with stubbornness. If he believes something is going to work, and yeah, I just had to knock it away from myself. Uh, if he believes something is going to work, then he's going to stick to it until he's absolutely proven wrong. And I think he's going to need more than what he sees clearly as a little bit of evidence. Like he, I don't think he's seen it in his mind where it's, it's not overwhelming. I, but don't think, had, I don't think he's not going to try to react no, to make changes, although maybe it's too late for but, this year. I but don't there know. is a difference between complacency and stubbornness. And I think Mike Gundy is a guy who's going to lean more into the stubborn thing than complacency. Um, yeah, but well, Casey Dunn, as you mentioned, I mean, that's been an ongoing yeah. thing now for Oklahoma State fans, and uh, had some encouragement during the offseason of like, hey, it's a brand new year, and we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's it's so far been very bad um, as far as uh, especially running the football, so I mean, there's, there's a lot more games to be played, but uh, they are in a very messy situation, and this game this weekend could be really ugly, because Iowa State's got a great defense, and like I said, that could be an absolute rock fight, so I'm intrigued by that for... Not for, like, this is elite football, but just for, like, how weird and messy and strange could this get for somebody who's going to win this football game? Oklahoma State fans in the chat room are not happy. They're frustrated. And a lot of you voicing your uh, discussion. Dustin, I don't think Rangel uh, has gotten his shake by Game 3. Gundy should have uh, split the snaps. At least the offensive line woes also continue. There's a lot talking about the portal. Kyle Visser brought up he had problems in the locker room. That was well documented even at the end of last year. Dustin Bowman isn't the same guy he was at Tech. Our fans started to chant USA not in a patriotic way. Alan Bowman. Alan Bowman. What did I say? Alex? Dustin Bowman. Dustin Bowman. Uh, so there we are with the Texas, uh, the Oklahoma State segment. Thanks to Jacob for jumping on with us. J.J. Joe will be around the corner. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's – uh... Those chants have become kind of complex for you guys. We're talking about Missouri uh, and dealing with the the chants about their quarterback uh, and Cook. And, yeah, I mean, I, I can see it. You know, Bowman – I mean, we talked about, though, Bowman, when they brought him in, it's not like everyone was convinced that that was a Spencer Sanders replacement. I mean, that was a, a, a gamble that you took, really, to just hope that he was going to be the guy, he had previous experience in the Big 12 and so on and so forth. But, you know, went up to Michigan, did a whole lot of nothing – and, you know, comes to Stillwater and finds himself not just going and taking the job like you would probably have hoped for bringing in a transfer like that, but instead still four weeks into it in a three-way tie, 
So, yeah, it's uh, it's not what you hope for by any means if you were an Oklahoma State fan. The good news is, if there's any good news, and this is the case for every Big 12 team, the Big 12 stinks. So you can go on a run, and I don't, I don't mean that to just, like, you know, dwell on it, but it's true. I mean, we've got the evidence of three weeks of games, and they've – uh, for the most part, everybody in the league's taken a hit already, if not a couple of hits, save for, what, KU, Texas, Oklahoma, right. BYU. That's it, yep. I think, uh, off the top of my head. UCF. So, so UCF, yes, UCF. And so, you know, there are very winnable games, but, uh, you know, not many if you don't get a little bit better up front. And, and, again, I don't know how they do that. Bowman was a dude that threw it all around, but everybody who plays quarterback at Texas Tech seems to do that. But uh, one game threw for, like, what seemed like 700 yards. When we come back, J.J. Joe, his thoughts about Texas. Also, his thoughts about the Big 12 in general. Former Baylor quarterback will join us. Phil Bennett, longtime college football uh, head coach for at SMU and assistant coach elsewhere. He'll join us just after 5 o'clock. This is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat. A couple of new incentives are out right now. The Ram Power Days continue. A great selection on new cars, including the 2023 Ram trucks designed to be durable, functional, stylish with premium truck options, and much more, including luxurious leather seating. Plus the surround sound view uh, as far as the camera, if you want. And then also the Jeep Adventure Days celebrating with an incredible lineup, the 2023 models like the Grand Cherokee, Grand Cherokee L, Renegade Wrangler, and even the Wrangler 4XE. These vehicles bring power and so much more. The Grand Cherokee L even brings you extended seating with third row options. It's the Jeep Adventures Day, Ram Power Days, and more. Ted Teague, the general manager and also CEO, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram Fiat, Loop 340, east of 84 in Waco. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa wrap, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Next in line. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. 
Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bar, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenna. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This segment with former Baylor quarterback and Baylor radio analyst J.J. Joe is sponsored by Alliance Bank Central Texas, where customers have confidence that their financial needs are in good hands with two locations in Waco. Monday, the weekend, of course, of of college football evidence. J.J. Joe joins us on Mondays at 445. J.J., Let's start with something other than Baylor, Texas, and also what we saw against Long Island, because I think you probably want to forget that, too, as long as it was with a delay. <laughs> but when you look at what we're seeing in college football, and I know there are still maybe a handful of elite teams, do you, do you think that college football is more susceptible to upsets now than ever before? And, and if so, why? No, good to see it. Good to talk to you guys. I, I really think it is. I think you're seeing maybe the impact of, you know, a little NIL stuff. I, I think talent is now being kind of distributed a little bit more evenly. Now, don't get me wrong that, you know, the SEC and, and they're going to have a lot of the talent, but a lot of that is, I think, smoke due to kind of where they are. I mean, you know, you just got a lot of talent in the southeastern part of the United States. So, but I think you do. I mean, I think you have a situation where we had upsets before. We used to see a Michigan and Appalachian State or whatnot. But I think now you will continue to see the field leveled a little bit. And I think there's really not a dominant team this year. Now that we've kind of been through three weeks, three weeks, Georgia's even susceptible. So, I think we'll continue to see this. JJ, they um... – uh, they were kind of uninspired in the first half. I mean, they were somewhat in control. They got the win, and that's the most important thing to finally end the losing streak. But I don't think we learned very much about them this week, did we? Nah, you know, this is one of those games, an FCS team coming in, and and you kind of figured, really, it's what I would call a you know, it's about us game. 
Uh, it's a game where you're focused on just trying to offensively, you know, Sawyer's second start. Can we get that completion percentage up? You know, we didn't get there. Uh, can we be a little bit more crisp on offense? It looked like we were getting there. We were up 16 nothing, uh, And then we had the ball. We're driving. And, uh, you know, then we turned it over on downs at midfield. And all of a sudden, it's a 16-7 game. So, defensively, I mean, we gave up, what, 180 yards? So, I mean, you weren't going to learn much defensively because you should dominate. But I think I was a little, you know, I was a little disappointed offensively. I thought, you know, I, I think very little that we did uh on Saturday will translate to this weekend. So Sawyer Robertson clearly appears to be a bit banged up still. Uh, JJ, how much do you think that played into the passing game? And just, you know, the, the running game was great. Like you said, though, you don't know how much that translate against a very, you know, a good Texas defense. But but what do you do about the passing game, and how much do you put that on the injury to the ankle of Sawyer Robertson? Yeah, you can kind of tell he's not, you know, the difference between Sawyer against Utah and I think Long Island, it's almost it's like he's half the player to me. Because against Utah, I thought he was, even though his completion percentage was not way up, he was confident because I think he had the availability of his feet and he had the availability of his arms. So he would go one, two, not there, I'm running. Or he even had the zone, you know, the quarterback planned runs. So I think, you know, that just provides a young player with confidence. When all of a sudden, you know, a good part of your game is taken away because he's decent, you know, he's pretty decent athlete, um, then all of a sudden you got to rely on the drop back game, which he's not, he was very good in high school in the drop back spread game, but he's learning. So I think it impacted his confidence. He wasn't sure he could some of the throws. He was a little either late or hesitant. And um, I'm hoping that another week uh, will help that ankle get, you know, I'm not saying it would be 100%, but maybe closer to 80, 85%. J.J., you've seen Texas, or I'm not sure exactly how often, but they played Alabama, of course, a couple of weeks ago. They have a handful, if maybe more, dynamic playmakers, a quarterback who can throw it really, really well, a defense that seems like uh, they have a little bit more grit to them. What would you do if you were Dave Aranda, Jeff Grimes, and also Matthew Pallage? You know, it's, it's, it's a tough one. You know, smoke, I mean, and the great and the thing that you know you haven't mentioned is like they have a they have an elite play caller. Uh, Sark, I mean, we may think another way about his head coach ability. I think he's he's grown and learned a lot from being with Saban. But uh, but offensively, that dude's a genius. Uh, he he knows uh, what I you know. There's different coordinators to me. There's some guys with great scheme. He has great scheme. Grimes has great scheme. But then there's pl- playmaker play callers who also have the ability to say. I got to get the ball to this guy, these guys, and I'm going to do it to them these ways. And they communicate it to the players. The players know they rep it, and you can see the confidence in the players. And so he's pretty darn good at that. And that's what concerns me a little bit because we we sometimes we you know we showed some weakness on the edge against uh, Texas State. Um, we've also seen that we'll let a run pop, and and Sark is if we do what we did against Texas State. Sark will put a 50 spot on us easy in the first half because he will isolate and attack. So, man, I tell you what I would do, really, I would, I would, we have to try to run the ball. But Sawyer has to hopefully, I think the way that he has to be able to get that completion percentage up, Coach Grimes has to schedule in some easy completions for him, easy ones. It's almost like one read, boom. It's like a guy in motion, boom. Just get a guy completions because for a young player uh, like him, 
if you can just get them four, five, six completions, they're a totally different player. Uh, and I think, you know, doing some really quick stuff, easy completions early, and then hopefully trying to get Richard Reese into the game uh, a little early. And defensively, I think, I mean, I would bend no break, man. You can't let Xavier run by you. So it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough goal on Saturday. JJ, how do you balance the what's going to be a lot of emotions about it's Texas, it's the last time, you know, channeling that into being fired up about playing Texas and then getting to where it gets the tipping point and you've got too many emotional eggs in that basket? Yeah, yeah. I mean, energy, I, if energy is a challenge this week, uh, then then I, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody knows what the issue is because Texas, last last time, they'll will probably play them in a very long time. Uh, if ever at all, and it's a conference game, they're leaving the conference, all that stuff. Uh, the fans are into it, so it'd be a bunch of gas out there. Um, so I don't think energy will be a problem. The problem will be like, which maybe we saw at Colorado, Colorado State, guys staying disciplined, guys staying calm, guys not going overboard, too much talking. You don't need to do all that. Uh, so it'll, it'll have to be, and I think, you know, Coach Aran have a good jo- does a good job at managing emotions. Uh, but really, it's going to boil down to execution, though, because I mean, I think ultimately uh, they can take the little fight out of you real quick. If all of a sudden, boom, they score, you look, it's ten nothing, and and you got you got a very good feel early on, right? That we can't play with these guys. I don't think that's the case, but you got to be prepared. JJ, in general, what did you think of uh, Dawson Pendergrass? I know you, you said that a lot of the running stuff is not going to necessarily translate to Texas, but just getting you know uh, a full look at him. What were your thoughts on his game? I like Dawson. I mean, I mean, he he has a he has a place here. That's the reason they 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 gave him a scholarship. The young man, you don't see too many Caucasian running backs, but that dude knows how to find the hole. He's he's a he's you know his weight. They said two twelve. I, I figured this guy has to be a little bit bigger than two twelve, but he does a great job of finding the crease, sliding over, uh, and that's odd for a bigger guy, a bigger back. But he does a great job at that. He's physical. He usually is able to fight through a tackle or two, and you need that. That is very uh, that is very necessary. Now, next week we're going against defensive linemen that are 15 times better than the ones we saw on Saturday, and then their linebackers will be bigger and faster. So those holes that saw, I mean, Pendergrass saw on Saturday will close much quicker, right? And it'll be a bigger, stronger dude filling that hole. So that's why I'm saying I think, you know, Coach, you know, while it works, Coach has to be very cognizant that, hey, look, we, you know, this is a different animal we're facing, and the question is how do we attack? Yeah, I mean, you're not wanting, ready for three yards and a cloud of dust to come back, right? If it works, it works, right? Keep the ball away no, no. and hope for the best. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I mean, if it, if it works, uh, but I saw him play Alabama <laughs> on, on TV live, <laughs> and Alabama with five-star linemen and, and probably five-star running backs, um, couldn't run it when they were jacked, right? When they were kids. And I think Texas will be jacked. People say, well, Texas coming to a one and two, but why would they be jacked? Because they just struggled last week. So the coaches are, coaches are in them this week. They're in them because they struggled against Wyoming. So they're going to have all gas. They're going to be ready to go to start conference. And this is kind of what he said. The most important thing to them was to win the conference. Well, this is the first step. So they'll have all gas. We won't see, we won't see the, we won't see the, 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 the secondary version of, of Texas this week. JJ, your freshman year, did you beat them, Texas, when you were a freshman at Baylor? Was you- uh, well, I, I did not play. I was richer that year, but we did. We beat them pretty good, but I did not play that year, Smoke. All right. What was your most memorable, I guess, 
historic reference playing against them at Baylor? You know, Texas, were all, they always had great talent. We, we won, I think, I played them in 90, well, and I was hurt that game. Right? I actually redshirted in 89. I got hurt after about four starts and then missed the Texas game. We lost. They had a really good team. They went to the Cotton Bowl. 91, we won. We had a pretty good team. We beat them in Austin. That was a pretty good year. We had a good team. It kind of faltered late, but we beat UT. Uh, 92, we beat them here. That was Grant Taft's last game in Waco. We got a pretty couple pretty good calls, so it, it went our way. But then my last year, we lost to them in Austin. So I would say that 91-92 games were the best memories. Thank you, JJ. Appreciate it. We'll see you Saturday, 6.30, kickoff just after 6.30. ABC, Baylor, and Texas at McLean Stadium. Um, Texas paid uh, Wyoming $1.85 million for just a one-game deal. Uh, our Oklahoma State only gave South Alabama 300000 so it's not one of those where they paid them eight, 900000 or a million and also took the loss, but I'm sure that still stings at 300000 uh, yeah, I think just losing. I think if they paid them zero dollars, that hurt a lot to lose to South Alabama by three scores. Um, I mean, that's just not something that's supposed to happen um, at all for a program like Oklahoma State. Uh, much less a guy at the helm of that program for as long as he has been, had the success that he's had. I mean, you just shouldn't be at this stage, um, you know, losing to South Alabama in blowout fashion. But. Um, you know, we don't want to continue to pour it on. There's a lot of other teams in the Big 12 we can sit there and, and poke at as well. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, the, the puzzling thing to me about this Baylor-Texas game is why did ABC decide this would be a great primetime game? Well, one, it's Texas. Let's be honest. I mean, okay, that's, okay that all I needed, that's the only thing that makes I, sense, though, because the matchup itself, I mean, it could be very – very bad. I mean, this could be like fifty-six to nothing, guys. We realize that, right? I mean, I said that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm just sitting there thinking of like it's very possible. Thirty minutes into that game, everybody's watching nationally, going, "Why is this game the national TV game of the week?" That's the, that was puzzling to me when I saw that announcement. But yeah, it's Texas, so they'll get at least a million something, if not two million, automatically. So okay, but I just feel like you know. There's, there's got to be other games, but maybe not. I, I just was very it, puzzled when I saw that, given how Baylor started the season. It has had a rivalry where there have been some shocking moments. I'm not expecting that Saturday. There's been some intense games. There's been, like, when Baylor has just, like, thumped Texas. And then, of course, in recent years, it's been probably, what, I'm guessing over the last 12 or 13 years, Paul, what, Craig, 8-4 Texas or 7-5. There was a time when Texas won back-to-back. And then there's been a couple of times when, like, Charlie Strong, his last year when they had Lynx Hawthorne throwing passes and finally Johnny Jefferson running the Wildcat in a shocking loss at home to UT. Usually, if UT is better, they win. It's kind of like the TCU thing. But there's been some times when, when Baylor's been able to get them. There's enough there. It's the last meeting unless somehow they meet down the road, which probably won't happen. But to Craig's point, like, this game makes sense last week where – like if this game was last week and there were a bunch of non like you yeah. put the you put the higher ranked teams later in the evening and All right. and hope for the best but given this week that there are so many and i know that there's a you know they essentially have a draft yeah. you know like as far as okay you guys have this game this week and they they have the they number slot 2 them. 3 or 4 team in the country yeah. playing yeah, and that, that yeah that's exactly the that's, that's the, the only answer. reason why but yeah. like outside of that like there are but there are other like matchups like you know, they also have Colorado and Oregon. To me, that one would have been the one I played in primetime. But also, I know that 230 slot is important, and that's where that one that is. That game, so. the slot was picked, what, about a week and a half ago? Yeah. Yeah, just like the UCF-Baylor game has already been picked. It's going to be a 230 start. 
Um, yeah, but prime time probably, on ABC, that's the part I'm struggling with. Is well, like, that's, here, the, that's the full meal deal right there. Here are the other kicks. At the, I have the top 25 in front of me. Here are the other games that are being played at 6 o'clock and later. Arkansas at LSU. Oregon State, Washington State. And that game. Way better game. Way better game. But I know there's Ohio State stuff, Notre yeah. Dame, that's on NBC. So they're they're done. Iowa and Penn State, I would think that's probably it's on CBS. On CBS. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's about it. I mean, I get it. I'm just saying I was surprised when I saw that listed as a primetime national broadcast because I was like, okay, well, that could be really ugly pretty quickly. But maybe not. Maybe Baylor's got some fighting them and they'll be scrappy and they'll make this a contest i mean it's a great opportunity for that program it's a you know a good opportunity for texas to just go flex their muscle on national tv and beat up on a, a rival one more time could be a hell of an upset i mean for all we know i just i'm just based on what we've seen through three games i have a extraordinarily hard time of envisioning how that could happen like some years you go like this team's not as good but hey if this happens i'm seeing very little possibilities of how that unfolds in a, in a type of a way where they can, for four quarters, last and match. You know what I mean? And so that's just why it was, it was, it was curious to me when I first saw that. But I get it. Like, there's only so many games available, and there's automatic slots, and there's game selections and different and, network and obligations and all that stuff. Washington State, Oregon State is on Fox. So they got the game at 6 o'clock. That would be a hell of a game, too. But that game is on Fox. This for Dave Aranda. You play really well. You can at least inspire some hope. But if you go out there and you get drilled, uh, which I, it, anything's possible, but that's going to be hard to come back from, even if Texas is the number three team in the country. I just At this point, your people need to see you be competitive. And uh, the last thing that they can afford to have happen is to go out there and get blown out. So like I'm expecting to 14 a, or something. Yeah, like I'm that, expecting yeah. a great effort and, you know, home crowd that should be pretty good. But, um, yeah, there's also the possibility that it could get ugly if they're not careful. Oregon and Colorado's a 2.30 ABC game. So you know there'll be massive eyeballs on that one headed into Texas and Baylor, which, of course, could be the last time they ever play. When we come back, Phil Bennett, his thoughts on the weekend in college football. This is 365 Sports. During Ram Power Days at Alan Samuels, shop our great selection of brand new Ram trucks designed to be durable, functional, and stylish. Alan Samuels in Waco is the place to shop Ram trucks. Come by and see our large selection today or browse online at alansamuelsdcj.com. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
Geico Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Every time I put the lineup in the forums premium section, and there's always somebody that responds when they see Phil Bennett. They love the segment. A lot of you in the chat room say the same thing. Phil Bennett with us, Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and David Smoke. I had somebody ask me to ask you this question. When you, uh, you, how often when you watch a game, do you watch it as a coach or as a fan? And if you watch it as a coach, what do you focus in on most of the time? You, you know, I definitely watch it as a coach. Um, you know, I look at it like defensively. I, I look for alignment, you know, when versus formation. Uh, let's see if they have numbers, see if they have angles. Uh, and then I look at course technique and stuff. And then offensively, I look how those guys are tackled. And, uh, and, and you know, I went to an A&M game this weekend I watched the half the game and I was in a great seat and I sat there and I said wow I said I probably should have sat up here during the game because you could see everything mm-hmm. blocking schemes uh but yeah I, I I look at it as a coach and and I appreciate you know people that do good things uh on both sides of the ball so I, I enjoy it that way Phil um the Alabama Crimson Tide have a quarterback problem, which is something that Nick Saban hasn't had to deal with in a long time. Oklahoma State, similar thing. Uh, do you subscribe as a coach? I mean, the, the kind of old adage, if you've got two, you've got none. If you've got one, you've got one. Do you subscribe to that at all? Or how do you see it when you have no clear-cut guy on the roster? Well, I've lived it. I, mm-hmm. You know, when I was the head coach at SMU, 
uh, when you're when you're rotating guys, it, it becomes uh, you know number one, it's hard to get a game plan because you really don't know what you can do well. Uh, now, one of the things that that I'm sure with with Alabama is, is the one kid can run the ball, and I'm sure Nick went in there on Sunday and say, look, you know, we didn't play, you know, we made a change, but he gives us the ability to to keep the ball. He has the ability to run. So I'm sure that's why, you know, he, he's back in the saddle. Uh, you know, but you're right. I think if, you, if you're if you rotating three people, you got a problem. Coach, how much have you watched of Colorado? I know that's all the talk right now, and, and some people are already deoned out at this point, We're only three games into the year. But it's also something that obviously millions of people are interested in based on the TV ratings. A thrilling victory against Jay Norvell in Colorado State that – Quite frankly, Colorado State should have won that game if not for some self-inflicted mistakes. But just what do you make of Dion Mania and, and obviously what the Buffs have done up until this point? Well, well, I think the one thing, obviously, especially on offense, uh, the skill level is, is better than they've had in, in, in many years. Uh, I think Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator, who I've known that he was the head coach at Kent State, is really a good football coach. I think Charles Kelly on defense is really a good coach. I just don't think they're as talented uh, as, as they are on offense. So I think they've come in, and, and I think you got to give Dion credit. He's got them believing, and and that's half the battle. And and you know I'm I'm not particularly you know a lot of it's you know on Dion, but I I think the players are to be applauded. They've taken coaching, they've gotten better, and the coaches have done a good job. You know, and I know they haven't beaten, you know, somebody told me said uh, they've only won two games against the winning team. But still, last year they won none, and they're 3-0. and So um, it's been interesting for me. I, I'm anxious to see. Uh, I'm a seasoned guy. I want to evaluate how, how, you know, everything endures. Here have been so many changes in, in college football, and there was probably – there was a time, uh, Coach, I don't think that Dion would have fit because there were – you know, rules differences and just the time he wouldn't have. But in the, like, just the ocean of change that's happened so so rapidly, it's kind of the perfect time for him. I know it's different, but as an observer, are you kind of enjoying watching what's going on there? Because it is so different than anything we've ever I, seen. I am. Paul, I am. And, you know, one of the things, uh, Dion, he speaks the truth. You know, he talks about, hey, you know what? You know, everything's not fair. And, and you know what? This is a tough business. And, and he made a statement. He said it wasn't just the coaches, you know, that were, weren't were getting done at Colorado. The players weren't. And he said uh, – he, he some statement he said in the 60 minutes I saw was the very truth. He goes, people don't know how to tell the truth anymore. You know, sometimes you got to say, hey, you're not good enough. You're not getting it done. And you've got, you've got to move on. But, um, you know – I, I think he's speaking some truth that a lot of people won't say. So, uh, and I think that's partly why those players are playing at a high level. Coach, you spent uh, some time at Kansas State. They obviously won the Big 12 last year, had a lot of hopes going into this year. Still do, uh, but suffered a loss uh, on a 61-yard uh, walk-off field goal. Uh, have you been walked off on a 61-yarder? And just what's that feeling like from – from a coaching standpoint, but also just your thoughts on what Chris Kleiman's built up there uh, in Manhattan thus far. 
Well, I think Chris has done a great job. I think last year, uh, you know, sort of epitomized, you know, the Big 12 championship game there in Dallas. Uh, the fan base, which we all know is outstanding. Uh, I think, you know, that, that I knew they were probably going to have a little transition, you know, on defense. And, and I think you saw that. Uh, Missouri played very good. They made big plays. They did a good job. Uh, and, yes, I have been beaten with, with a walk-off. Uh, actually at the University of Utah. It, it's, it's a hard thing to take. And, and, you know, you think that K-State, with their run game and stuff, that they probably would have won that thing in overtime. But, well, you know, you got to give the kickers, dude, what a job. You know, there was a walk-off, I remember, when you gave up 58 as a defensive coordinator, but that was probably the greatest feeling you've ever had, was it not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I laugh about it. I still, I think I've told you this before, but yep. uh, me and Gary Patterson, he goes, oh, that's too terrible defense. I said, no, you were a lot worse than mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, you have to own some things. But that day, I think we only gave up 422 yards. They gave up almost 800 yards. Yeah. And, and and we had a kickoff return, a fumble return, uh, and, and our boy Callahan, yeah, he walked it off. That was he, pretty exciting. Yeah, they had a pick six and Bryce Petty that pretty much it felt like then it was over. Um, when you think if you're okay, think in the way of Matthew Powlich. You're about to play this team with like alphas everywhere. We know the talent that they have, and talent's always been there. But this seems to be a team that's explosive as hell. Uh, at Texas, and their defense has not just talent but some grit too. If you're Matthew Pallage, what do you do? Do you sleep this week? <laughs> you know, you said it first, Smokey. Respect their their their, their vertical game. You know, they can throw the ball vertical. You're going to see that. Um, I, I've watched them both games, and they really feel that they've got a vertical passing game, and they do. Now, I will tell you. Wyoming did not back up an inch. Wyoming played their game, stayed in the game, and, and without a, cu a couple of bad breaks, that would have been a heck of a finish. And, and I think you're playing at home. You know, you work against that vertical. Uh, I don't think you have to recreate the wheel. I, I think you've got to really, you know, know, you know what, they're gonna, I'm going to get the deep shot, work it. And do some things that will help your safeties and your corners. And if they throw underneath, so be it. Make the tackle and live another play. Uh, you know, I think in the run game, I don't think Texas w was dominating at all uh, against Wyoming. I think you saw that the uh, Alabama against you, uh, South Florida, Texas wins not as big as, as we all thought it was. So now – I, I just – I wouldn't back off. I wouldn't be intimidated. Uh, I would protect the ball deep and then play with it. Make some plays and play great red zone defense. Phil Bennett, longtime college football coach, former Baylor defensive coordinator with us on 365 Sports. Coach, have you ever come across Craig Bull in any of your – like, uh, he, he just very consistent? Oh, let me tell you, I've known Craig forever. When he was a, a young linebacker coach at Nebraska – um, when he went to, you know, he, he, he's an excellent football coach. Absolutely. As, uh, you know, and, and you know what? He, he didn't go to Wyoming and say, Hey, 
I'm a, I'm I'm going to uh, win and get out of here. He found his place. He enjoys it. Uh, I talked to him last year at the SMU camp in the summer, and he told me he said Phil had chances to leave. He said, but I just like it here. I feel like we can compete, and um, he's really done a nice job. Got a good staff. Coach, uh, Georgia uh, was facing a 14-3 deficit at halftime, got it going in the second half, able to come back and and shut out South Carolina and beat them by 10. But uh, given just their recent success, given the talent level, given that there's not a lot of games, I guess, for them at this point to get super excited over, how much of a concern is that, you think, for Kirby Smart and staff of just this team playing with their food a little bit too much and eventually uh, perhaps could get jump up and get bit by somebody? Well, I, I think the whole SEC, you know, you saw what happened with Florida and Tennessee. Uh, I think it's a, a, a conference for the taking. You know, I tell these Aggies here, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't play well versus Miami, but this league, I mean, you can go uh, from Alabama to Georgia on down. I mean, I really believe for the first time in a, in a bunch of years that every game at stake are winnable by, by either team. Uh, and I think you can throw Georgia in there. I, I think people are finding out that great defense, I think they're still good, but also Stetson Bennett, you know, won back-to-back national champions. He's gone now. Uh, and, and I really believe that league, uh, every week, you know, there's, there's going to be some big games that are won or lost by underdogs. Heidi, would you assess Jimbo's staff shakeup going so far? Well, I, I tell you, I like Bobby Petrino. I think he's a, I think he's an excellent football coach. Uh, you know, I think that, that their quarterback is playing really well. Uh, they're not in the running game yet what they need to be. You know, you, if you're ever going to be a championship team, you got to be able to run the ball. And, and I think we all believe that. And they're not there yet. Uh, but their quarterback is active. He extends plays. His, act, his accuracy is really good. Uh, they they played last week. The two receivers, their two best receivers, didn't play, but yet they got the ball downfield. Uh, you know, I think defensively, uh, anytime you hold anybody to three, that's good. I just uh, I'd like to see them be consistent against a a good team. You know, and um, like I say, you look at Georgia, uh, you, you look at, at Tennessee, Alabama, uh, uh, Florida. All those teams are beatable, and, and we're going to see that. Do you think USC is much improved on defense? Who on defense? USC. You know what? I, I saw the first game against San Jose, and I said no. Mm, okay. I thought that. Now, one of the things they've done, I, and I read about it, they all their their uh, portal guys are st- are now in shape. They're playing now. And from everything I've read, the last three games, they have gotten remarkably better. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, if they can do that, you know, they're, they're, they'll be a force in the, in the championship because offensively, they're, they're pretty dang good. Phil, we've discussed this with you about the NIL transfer portal, and, and, and Dabo has been, been kind of like mm, uh, Gundy, a little bit of that too. Uh, Baylor probably – was not um, locked in like they should be, although I think that's changing based on what Mac Rose has told us and also what I learned last week. How hard do you think it is to overcome not being ahead of the curve like some of the, not the Blue Bloods, 
But like Texas Tech has done an incredible job of not only what they're doing, but hey, by the way, look at us. I've been told that Baylor has stepped it up and they're about to have more, I guess you could say more vocal about it. How difficult when you talk to coaches is that to overcome? Oh, is it, well, you know, you and I text about it. I think it's, I think it's a deal breaker. If you're not involved and you're not acting, you know, because let me tell you something. The Blue Bloods are going to get it. They, they got it. They've already got it planned. All these, I know, I know the guy running the, the, the deal here in the 12th man at A&M. I mean, what they're doing is cutting edge. And, and you know, all the, all those people are, are doing it. Now, you know, Mike, it's taken a lot of heat. He lost his quarterback. He lost his best receiver. He didn't get involved in the portal. I mean, I think it could be a fatal mistake. I, you know, and I told you, I'd heard that Baylor really wasn't getting into the NIL by some people around. I mean, I think you have to. It's changed. The game's changed. And we can be stubborn. Or, but, but the thing about it, if, if you snooze, you lose. You better get involved and you better uh, – get in the mix of it but i will say this let me say this too you go back to a&m's number one class nobody will ever say yet that it's going to number one class until they win one of the things i was always proud of at baylor is we we evaluated kids right and and i think that baylor still can do that and they have done it uh and i think you still have to evaluate right but you've got to be active to just get in the play with it. The NILs and the and the portal are, are big, and I and I think if you know, I think Dabo is regretting not probably not being more active right now. Yeah, I get the feeling that he was like in a room full of coaches said, "You know what? I'm not going to do it. Who's with me?" Yeah. And everybody was like, "Yep," and then walked out the door and went. <laughs> Dummy, yeah. like how the hump I'm gonna go. It works if you keep winning. Yeah, I mean, right? so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let's let's face it. We're we're in a world of change right now in college football. I mean, who in the hell ten years ago, whatever thought, hey, Oregon's gonna be in the Big Ten? No, uh, I no, mean, this yeah. is crazy. So, so if if you're not if you're not active in those two things. I think I think you're going to regret it sooner than later. You need to have your head on a, a swivel. You were a part of the backyard brawl, I think, three times when you were at Pittsburgh with Wanstead and then your year you were the interim. You right. won, I believe, the first two. I believe right. that's right. Or lost that's the first right. one and then won a couple yeah. in a row. Can, yeah. West Virginia I, needed a win. They got a win. Can you try to discuss the rivalry, the bitterness, the – Intensity of <laughs> it, it, hey, I took my kids up there. I got to tell you this story. And Maddie was was I think Sam was like a junior at Tech, and and Maddie I think was a fresh a senior in high school. And I flew him up to the game, and the game was in Morgantown, and and so we had a little coaches section up there. And Dave told me to still, you tell them not to leave the coach's wife. But, I said, Dave, I've been to robbery, Texas OU, Texas A. He goes, Phil, this is different. I'm telling you. And I'm telling you, when we got off the bus, there was a six-year-old that was sitting there with his dad. He's looking at us, and he had one of them coonskin hats on. We get off, and Dave said, hey, little buddy. And the guy shoots it. The kid shoots him the finger and says, F you, Juan said. And I'm going, holy Oh, my God, God. yeah. Six years old. And, and my daughter, after the game, comes up to me and said, Dad, 
I sat next to a grown man that had a T-shirt said, I'd rather my daughter be in a slut than go to pit. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No way. <laughs> Think oh about God. that. You 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 got to really hate somebody to wear a grown man oh. to wear that. Oh, I mean they don't like each other. You know they're only fifty miles apart. It's yeah, crazy. There's a question on the chat. There's a few, but the last one for you. And thank you for your time. Is there a job in college football where you might, if someone called? Uh, to be a defensive coordinator or whatever it would be that you would re- you'd come out of retirement or are you done? You know, I'm still very healthy. I work out. I, I, I'm to the point of, and you know what I had this year? I had, I think I told you, I had some really nice opportunities. I just felt like I needed to be home and, and sort of get some things grounded here. And I told my wife I would. I just don't think you ever say never, uh, but it would have to be under my terms. That's it. And, and, and you know, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. But, uh, you know, it did this year, and, I, I, and, and one of them came very close, and, uh, and it, was sort of a, it was sort of a bucket list for me. And, uh, but, it, but, it, but it just didn't uh, – and I understand. They couldn't they – couldn't, uh, there was a couple of things that I wanted that just couldn't do, and I understood it. But I, I, I uh, you never say never. You know that, Dave. It's, uh, it's in my blood. I think I can do it well. And I, I've, I've been, uh, I tell people this, I've never had a bad job. I've been so fortunate. And I've worked with the best of the best. And uh, so I would never, it would really have to be a good situation. We're going to start naming conferences and knock down the list of who your bucket list was with. But uh, <laughs> we won't do that to you. Thank you, Phil. All Appreciate I tell your time. You, there was a beach. Hey, there was a beach involved. Ah, okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So that that well that 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 rolls it down quite a bit. Yeah. They don't have a team in Corpus Christi. Um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> you know you, what? If they did, I'd apply for it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Coach. As always, right, thank guys. you very much, have a good week. Phil Bennett, longtime football coach and was a defensive coordinator with Coach Browse at Baylor. Somebody brought up that 2012 team, his first game. They gave up 70 to West Virginia with Geno. They had players out. Remember, Mike Hicks was out their senior. By the end of the year, they had the team that stopped, what, Kansas State at the goal line. And K.J. Morton and Joe Williams, two Juco corners that grew up. And uh, they just needed to find a couple of stops a a, a week uh, uh, with what Baylor was putting up on offense, and they eventually were able to get to that. We are 365 Sports. David Hellman is out because of something that popped up. So let's get right back into college football and also into the chat room and our own topics as this is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Uh, They've got two spots to serve you and two kind of different vibes. The original local craft bourbons. Craft beers, unbelievable selection of both. That's what they do. Downtown, they're all about what's trending, what's hip on social media, what the new hip cocktails are. That's what they do. I said hip twice in that ad, and I apologize for it. But Riverbend Liquor and Wine, great customer service no matter which location. Great, great, great selections. Uh, and really just the speed and the the way that they handle everything is so fantastic. And, of course, they've got the dra- great drive through window uh, at the original location that uh, one time I drove up, it was holidays, 
it was Thanksgiving, and I had been told they had to go pick this up. And I was like, oh, man, uh, there's going to be a really long line. And there were five people in that drive-thru. And within seven to eight minutes, I was through. I had what I needed and done. That's how fast they moved. Great customer service, like I said before. Riverman Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, and now downtown Waco. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Couple of stories here in this segment. We appreciate your time. SMU has raised a hundred million dollars in seven days, supporting their transition into the ACC. Uh, this is from Gerald Turner, the president. An unprecedented financial commitment from a core group of donors who have understood from the beginning that moving to the ACC will be transformational for the university, athletics, academics, etc. One hundred million in seven days. That I guess offsets the lack of television money, although they were getting, what, six or seven million from the Atlanta, uh, American Conference, but they have already stepped up at least for now. And knowing that SMU can get that money that fast, let me just tell every SMU donor out there who donated that I am here to help. Yeah. We will what, we Whatever will you need. You can go to the SMU chat room. Yeah, go to our we'll... chat room, like the great people that we have who do all of what they do. I Phil mean, Venzer, the $100 million and no Sherwood cash. Oh, he's the, he's the donor, right? Um, now, I mean, I, st- I still am curious to see what their crowds look like when they go to the ACC, um, because, you know, unless you're buying fans or else everybody's just waiting on the Florida states of the world to come to town, it's still been very spotty. And look, they're not alone in that by any means. Um, just down the road, they've got attendance issues because of the, the brand of football being played. But, um, I am curious of just how big SMU sees itself getting as a result of this, you know what I mean? Um, and how much they anticipate their fan base growing, uh, from this, but you know, you start pouring a hundred million dollars into something, then that's gonna and jazz it up real nice, at least uh, to start with. So, yeah, they've answered the question of how will they go without TV money, and they've shown that uh, they've got the, the pocketbooks uh, to you know be competitive and to to get what they want in the end. So, uh, going to be very fascinating to see just how that whole experiment goes for them, getting that final opportunity or getting that opportunity, and then um, you know jumping right headfirst into it beginning. Uh, next year and what that looks like and how it potentially elevates that program or doesn't uh, will be you know very very interesting to follow it's just uh, thought for so long they were going to be a Pac-12 school and now they're in the ACC just because of the way everything unfolded so it's going to be weird but it's a great opportunity for them and obviously uh, they've got the donors right now at a point where they're all in as they're all in up. as you can possibly be and they desperately want this I mean the desperation you can you can smell it you can see it you can sense it the entire realignment process they knew they needed to get in to a club and uh, they got the opportunity so yeah very phone though right 
Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. It's another time to speak with Samantha Duvall from TexasBeefHouse.com. Handles the marketing and someone that you will talk to a lot when you do call for the great product of the Texas-raised Wagyu beef. It's college football season, tailgating. It's a big deal. People love to put beef and pork and chicken, etc. on the grill. Let me know what you have. We've got everything. If you've got a morning game, you can get our breakfast sausage or our bacon. You can tailgate with some breakfast tacos if you've got an afternoon or evening game. We, of course, got our hamburger patties, their half-pound patties, four patties to a package, and we even have jalapeno and cheese patties. They're amazing. They'll blow your mind. Just that extra flavor, not too spicy. They have a high-heat cheese, so they don't melt on the grill, and our patties don't shrink up on the grill either. Anytime you order, use our code SICKEM10 to get 10% off your order of $100 or more. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate. That's Samantha the Duval, TexasBeefHouse.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5 Brought to you by Texas Beef House Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu From our pasture to your plate TexasBeefHouse.com Top five reasons we were knocked off the air by electricity. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that was weird. Uh, we were we lost power for less than ten seconds, but in TV and internet time or the Romulans got us. Yeah, <laughs> I it was it was a lot. So we had a lot to to reboot. But thanks for sticking with us, all two hundred eleven of you who did uh, on there and and uh, love that little technology that made us not have to start a new stream. But top five teams with quarterback problems, and I think that. After three weeks, we can uh, safely say that some of the, this list is going on, uh, that they do have problems. Number five, Nebraska. 
And Smokey, I'll let you speak to this. I know that they're probably excited with the way that Harburg played against Eastern Illinois, but it seems like they're going to be kind of maybe sifting through guys throughout the season, especially based on the health of Jeff Sims, who did not play well in the first two games. But uh, Matt Rule in year one, and I don't think there were super high expectations. But right now, they've got they've got quarterback issues. Yeah, they do. The young man uh, played well, young local kid. Uh, I, I he, he he didn't throw for a lot. He, he ran well enough. He got some guts to him, but uh, that eventually. That was a team that they should have beaten easily, and they did in Northern uh, Northern Illinois. It was a little bit close there for a little bit. but And then they lost two running backs. Did you hear about that? Mm-hmm. Johnson's out. Um, the kid that came in, I believe, from maybe not U.S. Yeah, Irvin's out. So they lost three pl- uh, players, two of them running backs, and the running back room was not all that good in the first place. Well, get ready because this is kind of life with Matt Rule, honestly. Um I don't think you're ever going to really see elite quarterback play. Is that fair? Um, this reminds me very much of when uh, he first got here and brought in Jalen McClendon, and the next thing you know, like that was just – or no, it was Anu Solomon. Yeah. From that was a big ball yeah. of nothing, yeah. uh, all due respect to Anu. And then it was Jalen McClendon the following year, and it's, you know, uh, it was fine, but it was mostly the Charlie Brewer show. So, um, you know – at least my experience watching, he's never had like super high level quarterback uh, play, and that's just kind of part of what they do. Is they mostly are just uh, you know a defensive team that runs the football and hits on some big plays here and there. Maybe Harbor can do some of that for him, but I mean I don't think he's really filling huge shoes, guys. I mean I don't think Jeff Sims was doing anything that you're like, oh my god, they don't have Jeff Sims for the next however many you know games. Uh, I, I don't know what his status is, but Sims was fine. But very turnover prone. He and was so, not fine. He wasn't even fine. I'm trying yeah. to be nice. No, like, I know. I know. But I'm. Ju- I'm just. Like, he was a turnover. Right. Machine. So yeah. point being, like this might actually be a blessing in disguise for them. But they did get a sa- quarterback was sacked early inside the ten that led to an easy score for Northern Illinois. So the turnovers, no matter who the quarterback, but they just none of them were dumb turnovers like they had or or silly turnovers like they had in the first couple of weeks. Number four. Tennessee, I would not have said this a few weeks ago. I was really big on Joe Milton, but after watching the game against Florida where he was, you know, look, he's he's got some RPMs behind every throw, that's for sure, but he doesn't know. He's like Nuke Lelouch right now. He doesn't know where it's going to go, and that that's not good news for Tennessee as they move forward, and you just heard Phil Bennett talk about it. The SEC is as up for grabs maybe as it's been in a long time, and – you know, that Florida win over Tennessee was very telling. Um, and Tennessee, look, they, they hit it right. They had Hendon Hooker last year. That was a great transfer that worked out for them. Joe Milton looked like he was poised to step in, especially after that fantastic bowl performance he had against Clemson. But I think, much like a pitcher with a live arm, you know, some days he's going to strike out every batter he faces, and some days – um, you don't, don't know where it's don't, going. Don't dig into the box because it's yeah. coming at your skull. So uh, and not not on purpose. So I think that's what Tennessee's dealing with right now. Yeah, that really reached a fever pitch uh, in the second half. Uh, you know, fans wanting uh, Nico Amaliava to get into the game, and understandably so. And you know, he's a big time prospect, a big time NIL guy from all indications. And they said, you know, in the past that they don't plan on redshirting him. So I would imagine that we're not that far off from potentially seeing. Uh, some more of the you know the young star in Nico uh, versus you know what we saw from Saturday and and Joe Milton that's not going to be sustainable for them or, or for their expectations so yeah there is some some question there this is not Hendon Hooker uh, 2.0 by any means yeah number three Houston um, 
you know, we sat with, with Dana Holgerson at Big 12 Media Days, and he kind of said, you know, what you need to know about Donovan Smith. And he said if, if you know, the, the, the interceptions he threw against them when, they were, yep. when he was at Texas Tech, you know, and basically if we can get that solved, then everything else is gravy. Well, right now they haven't gotten it solved uh, at Houston. And, you know, they're, they're got a talent problem on their roster right now. Uh, a lot to do with the transfer portal. They knew they kind of knew some of this was coming, but man, um, you know, Donovan Smith so far has not has not lit it up for them. No, he hasn't, and uh, he didn't really light it up in Lubbock. I mean, he had some moments there and some games where you know he played pretty well, but uh, he's been and continues to be a turnover guy and a big. Uh, at the wrong time turnover guy uh, was really the case in Lubbock a lot last year but yeah it hasn't gotten off to a banner start Uh, he's got four touchdowns three interceptions uh, not throwing very well completion percentage wise it's just it's just not good it's just not good but you know you're also making it uh, even worse coming off of a an era of Clayton Toon where he was a pretty good player for you for several years in a row and now it's a it's a noticeable drop off in that regard and just the rest of the team around them uh, yeah they're they're kind of scrambling for answers especially on offense which is not great when your head coach is Dana Holgerson and that's supposed to be his expertise his offense and quarterbacks and things like that and that's Right now, their biggest Achilles. So, uh, yeah, it has not been good, but I don't know what great options that they have at this point. Number two, Oklahoma State. This, I mean, you're running three quarterbacks in any game. Uh, unless you are up by 70 points, it's not a good thing. And you're running three quarterbacks into a game where you're absolutely getting knocked around uh, by a, a Sun Belt team at your place is even worse news. And, you know, Craig, I, I was, you know, like back and forth. You know, I'm kind of bullish on, on peak Spencer Sanders as a really good player. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to see it all the time because he deals with so many injuries. And then sometimes he gets really sloppy and he creates turnovers. But two years ago, we saw Spencer Sanders take Oklahoma State all the way to the Big 12 title game and play really well against every single team that they played against except Baylor. Those are the two games he did not play well against, and those are the two of the games that they lost. And two happen to be a really good defensive team. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I thought this would be a huge loss for them, especially given that they who they were bringing in to replace him. I didn't know that the – I just kind of thought and entrusted Mike Gundy's quarterback recruiting over the years to where even if he's got guys who aren't, you know, have ceilings as high as – Spencer Sanders, even though that person may not reach it, he's always managed to get guys who are Mason Rudolphs of the world and Brandon Whedon's guys who could win games for them uh, and, and and were NFL guys, to, to be quite honest with you. Maybe not longtime starters, but NFL players. But, man, I did not see this coming on their quarterback depth chart. Yeah, I, you hoped that Alan Bowman was like an answer when you grabbed him out of the transfer portal, but it turns out he was another option. And that's not what you were looking for. Um, you look at the numbers for all three guys, and they've all three played pretty significantly at this point. Have you know had you know number of opportunities to throw the ball around, to run, to, to show what they've got, and they're all pretty much the same. I mean, there's not any discernible differences really between any of the three of them. That's even more alarming. There's not like a guy who's grabbed the lead and he's taking off and running with the baton. They're all just kind of the same, uh, and there's not. 
someone poised to break out and be the superstar of the future, to be the next Spencer Sanders. It's just three guys who you just hope that when you throw them out there, one of them just eventually catches fire and like, all right, he's the guy. But they all go out there and they get doused or it's very fleeting. And so, yeah, it's a mess. And, you know, I'm, I, I have faith that Mike Gundy will eventually figure it out. But I think to be at this spot heading into the season and to be at the spot you are just three weeks into the season or a month into the season is – Awfully disconcerting, obviously disappointing uh, if you're an Oklahoma State fan and, and you just expect better at that spot because they have had a lot of really good players, but that is not the case right now. And it doesn't help that their offensive line is not good at all and they can't have a run game to complement and help out their quarterbacks, no matter who it is. So, at least with Spencer Sanders, he could take off running, mm-hmm. but you don't have that guy now. So, again, they're all kind of this, they're all similar um, in, in what they've done performance wise so far. And I just wonder, like, how long you can keep running three horses before eventually, like, something has to give. But, um, you know, it, it doesn't appear like they've got a, an end game in sight just yet. And number one, Alabama. And the reason they're number one is, is obvious. Look, they, they've had just the revolving door of, like, Nick being able to go to the quarterback machine and even kind of slightly upgrade. Like, you know, no. you go like, okay, you got the Brody Crows and Greg McElroy's, then you kind of tick it up to a guy like A.J. McCarron, who's... Was Coker one of those? Or yeah, was Coker. Yeah. yeah, Coker. And then you tick it up. You get A.J. McCarron, okay, NFL guy, but not nobody who's going to start for 20 years. And then you, you tick it up to, like, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Tua, and now Bryce Young. He may, may have used... I mean, all the tokens in the machine for a little while. Two guys started Sunday Night Football last yeah, night. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they've got four guys starting out of the 32 teams in the in the NFL. Four that are starting in the in the NFL right now. So sometimes maybe you do run out of tokens in the QB machine. And maybe that's what he did here. Uh, Milrow's going to start. And I would assume probably for the rest of the season, barring another attitude problem or, or anything else like that. But uh, it is surprising to me to see that they have uh, so many guys that are not ready to go even after Milrow, even a little bit right there on the roster. Yeah, I mean, you just have it so good for so long. I mean, eventually the the run, you know, or the well dries up. Uh, it happens to the best of, of them. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I think to just the success they had was also something that worked against them, right? Of, you can't hold on to everybody and just have this stacked quarterback room and eventually guys move on But because you, you hit, kept hitting on so many great players one after the other. Um, that it was just you're bound to run out at some point, and I, I'm not uh, giving up on Jalen Milrow. I think he can still win some games. I think he's still got a lot of room to grow, but he's just not near that level of the guys that they've had. And that's you know that's not a knock on him. That just that says how high that level has been for so long. That yeah, sorry, he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL automatically. Like the past seven guys or whatever out of the last you know eight or whatever the number actually is. Not like those guys, but yeah, um, they just. They don't have the guy right now, and they've had the guy pretty much every year for as long as we can remember, but that's just not the case this time around, and, and they're having to deal with it and have, having to learn kind of how life is on the other side and, and how normal uh, this is for most teams, uh, you know, year in and year out. Uh, it's it's a rude awakening for them, but I, I think that they'll they'll find a way to improve Milrow as they go along. It just might not be up to Alabama standards. UT went from Vince Young, eventually Colt McCoy, and then they thought that Everything was fine with the highest-ranked quarterback you could possibly have, and I watched him in high school at Lake Travis and Garrett Gilbert, and it just it eventually 
And then look what happened. Then they were in the wilderness for a while. Yeah. And I do like everything else around Gil- Garrett Gilbert, like sunk with it, like them. Because Garrett Gilbert's wound up, you know, being a good player at SMU and, and being in oh, the NFL. Yeah. And so you wonder if like it was just one of those things that everybody stepped collectively into the mud at once. And he's the one who's going to get blamed for it. Um, in Alabama, you know, or it's like. he had extreme pressure on his shoulders exactly. because he was called like everything. The yeah, golden boy. And yeah, the, exactly. You know. Exactly. And then at Alabama, you know, like, I wonder if their fans are like, so we don't have a quarterback that's going to get drafted in the first round, but we have one that's going to get drafted in the second round. Or drafted. Or just drafted. And they're like, I, I don't know. Like, well, what do your teams do? How <laughs> yeah. much is also, who's calling plays? Yeah. Like, how Tommy much is Reese. the coaching? How much mm-hmm. is, you know, it's not just Jalen Milrow. Can't blame just him no. because I'm not so sure about just their whole offensive philosophy in general. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a combination for things for them. And, uh, boo-hoo. I mean, they're having to learn how life has been for most every other team uh, nearly every year or every couple of years, uh, save for when you just grab that guy who gets the job and holds on to it for, you know, a three-year run like a Clayton Toon like we just mentioned. But yep. beyond that, it's hard to find great quarterbacks, much less have the run that Alabama's had. So it was bound to happen at some point. All right, thank you, Paul, for the top five. There's one note about Patrick Mahomes. Everything's fine. Former Texas Tech star. Uh, he signed the new contract. And uh, some of the reporting of it from Albert Breer, uh, the amount of money moving forward, uh, Mahomes will get a de facto raise of $43.3 million over the next four years. After that, it comes to the natural point to renegotiate again. He will be 31 that offseason, which is very young. Uh, a lot of the money prioritized, prioritized cash flow over guarantees. So... No new money. Money's just moved forward. There is still the injury, the full guarantee, and signing bonus. But congratulations to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs for getting that done and opening up some money for themselves. All right, Jack McKenzie, Garrett Ross, thank you to Emery and Levi, uh, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Thank you to our great sponsors. Those of you who watch and you listen every single day or whenever you can, we do appreciate it. 365 Sports, I'm David Smoke. Good night.